Welcome to the Social Fishing Podcast. My name is Reese Creed. I'm a passionate angler and I want to share as much as I can about the sport we all love. On this podcast, we speak to incredible anglers, sharing a wealth of priceless knowledge, all to help you reach your fishing dreams. Thanks for joining us today. Now let's begin. G'day everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Social Fishing Podcast. This is an exciting episode because it is the first time that I have had a guest on for a second episode. So I've got Jacko on obviously and I talked to Jacko last year. We actually talked on the 1st of April and it was prior to all the COVID stuff coming in. So it's going to be good to have a chat and a catch up. It's like a catch up chat on our last talk. Um, We talk about a few things that we talked about last time but what has changed in the last, it's been 16 months so we actually recorded recorded it before COVID was big in Australia. So our first episode wouldn't have referenced it at all. And since then, it's been exactly 16 months and that's how long we have lived with COVID. So a lot has happened, a lot has changed. And we also talk about live technology quite a lot in this episode because we have both since got and been using live technology, whereas the prior episode, we hadn't. And that's what's good about this podcast is I can come back to people, talk to them, talk about the lessons they've learned, how things have changed because everyone grows and changes over time. And 16 months is a fair whack of time to you know learn a lot, especially with the introduction of live tech. So I know it will take up a bit of our conversations on the podcast, but uh, this one, I really want to talk to Jacko about it. And we talk about not only using it, but the, the, how the fish have changed behavior, how we think it's going to affect them pressure-wise down the track. It's a, it's a pretty cruisy chat, this one, and I really do hope you enjoy it. I quite enjoyed sitting down with Jacko. We just talked about recent stuff, um, our goals for fishing, what we want to achieve. Um, I talked to Jacko, obviously, about the live tech stuff, and then towards the end, we get onto a bit of life stuff as well, and Jacko actually asked me some questions back. So, it's a, it's a pretty cool episode, this one. Um, it's long, so I'm going to jump in pretty quick. I won't keep rambling on now. We'll jump straight in, but yeah, there's a, there's a lot to learn, and this is a good one to switch on while you've got a big, long day at work or... If you're driving somewhere because she goes for a bit over two hours. So, hope you enjoy. Let's jump in now and have a chat with the one and only Jacko Davis. Jacko, it's good to have you back, mate. How you doing? Good, thanks, Reese. It's good to jump back on the podcast again, second time around. There's not not much else to uh, be doing at the minute, is there? No, it's not the best at the moment. We've just gone back into lockdown for the second time I think in New South Wales we've been pretty fortunate out here in the bush yes um unlike Victoria and I guess down in Sydney and that but yeah back in for a week at at least at the moment so hopefully it doesn't last too long yeah well I'm hoping to actually get this podcast out before we end so like it'll be out within two days so whatever we talk about now is going to be pretty relevant yeah sweet Um, so, yeah, so we'll we'll be able to talk about next week before sort of the close season, things like that. But, yeah, what's been happening for the last 12 months, mate? You've been stuck inside and how's... I don't know if you remember much what we talked about last time, but I actually looked up the date. It was the 1st of April, so it was 16 months ago we did that podcast. Does it feel like that long ago? Yeah, oh, I don't know. <laughs> I, guess, I guess I would have guessed around then. It has been a little bit of time. Um, not much has sort of changed with me too much. Still, um, so COVID would have wouldn't have hit by then, had it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, so it launched first of April. Yeah. And we, I don't know if we like recorded it and got it up straight away, but I don't reckon we would have. I reckon it would have been mid March. So it would have been like COVID was coming, and you heard about some weird virus in the news that you didn't take notice yeah. of. But, yeah, it wouldn't have been here. 
It yeah. wouldn't have been here. No. We wouldn't have known what was about to hit us. Yeah. But yeah, yeah no. You wouldn't be wearing that headset sitting at home. Yeah, no, I've been working from home ever since it um it started, so um yeah, a bit different, but getting used to it, I guess. Uh, I'll probably stay working from home for a fair while, I'd say now, and might never go back full time, which I don't mind. I don't mind sitting at home. But you're still full time, yeah. Yeah, just, still working you mean full you time. Go back. But yeah, pretty pretty yeah. lucky how I can just work from home on the computer and get everything done from home. So they've got it all set up now, where it's all pretty smooth and everything works well. Yeah, that's the go. Well, I was going to ask because I guess people like to sort of know a bit about who we are, what we do outside the whole fishing world. So what do you do? For a crust, I sharing with everyone. Yeah, no, I um I work for the state government. I'm a spatial officer, um, or technician, spatial technician, which a lot of people be like, "What the hell's that?" And everyone calls me a space yeah. cadet when I tell them that. Yeah. But um, I sort of do like digital survey stuff. So like survey surveys go out and um, like do subdivisions and and that type of stuff. And I sort of put it through a database and digitise it and get it all up to spec on the New South Wales government databases. Right, okay. So you're basically, it's always on a computer. The work's always on a yeah, computer. Yeah, I work, yeah, just work on like CAD programs um, and yeah, just sort of, yeah, all computer stuff. It's um, it's a little bit technical, but once you get a head around, your head around it, it's kind of easy, I guess. How'd you get into that? Um, well, I did, did my uni degree um, in environmental science and then I sort of always wanted to get to national parks or fisheries or something like that. But I was working up in Newcastle in the mines and Enviro and I just hated it. Um, so I wanted to get back to Bathurst and I was just sort of keeping an eye out for any gigs going in Bathurst that had anything to do with the environmental sort of scene. And um, this popped up, so I sort of did a bit of um, sort of cadastral work, uh, cadastral courses and that at uni. So I sort of had some background in it. And yeah. um, it was actually a traineeship, so yeah. it's a GIS traineeship. So I just sort of threw my hat in the ring for it. I didn't really know, didn't look too much into it. I just knew it was in Bathurst and it was state government, so it would have been <laughs> all right. Yeah. And um, I ended up getting an interview out of it, and then I sort of didn't think too much about it, and I was, I was still working on site out the mine, so I just got a, done a phone interview when I was on site on one, of the, on one of the mine sites and ended up jagging it somehow. So, yeah, then I, I made the decision to come back and did the two-year traineeship with them, and then... Um, sort of been out of the traineeship for another oh, about 18 months now. So, yeah. So oh, really? Sort of been there. Yeah, so. So you've only been working. doing it three and a half years? Yeah, this, I've only been back in Bathurst for yeah, three and a half years. Before then, I was yeah, up in right. Newcastle. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so it's only been sort of recent times. So did you fish much when you're up in Newey or did the like, real freshwater stuff really kick off more for you in the last three and a half years? Like... Yeah. I was always like mad into cod fishing when I lived. So I grew up, I moved to Newey when I was 19. Yeah, so we talked about like that. Like all teenage years, yeah, I was sort of yep. real mad into my freshwater stuff. And then, yeah, I sort of, I got into all the saltwater stuff. Like I did just normal, I don't know, bread and butter stuff like brim and flatties and all that up at Lake Macquarie and um, Newcastle Harbour and that. And a fair bit of bass fishing um, up in, because they got the good dams up there in the Hunter Valley. But uh, yeah, yep. I sort of, it's a bit easy to go up north. I did like a few gorgeous trips um, up in the New England. Used to go to Copeton every now and again. Um, so I still used to get out and codfish, but not as much as what I do now that I live back quite a lot closer yeah. to the dams. But yeah, I sort of did a bit of everything when I was up there. You were in Newey for how long? Five years, four or five years. Yeah, so a fair chunk. Fair chunk. Yeah. Yeah. 
So the yeah, first two cool. years was pretty much just getting on the piss at uni the whole time, but then <laughs> after I moved off campus, I calmed down a little and got back into the fishing. <laughs> It's crazy how time, do you think it's gone quick when you look at, because I think we're about the same age, I think. Yeah, well, I, I just just turned 28, so it's actually sounds Yeah, so you're old older now. than me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so you're a year older than me. So do you feel like the last, say from when you finished school or even just a bit after school went real quick or do you feel like it was a felt, felt like a fair while ago? Nah, it's gone really quick. Like I always think back, like, I don't know, you th- when I was that age, you always like you think twenty eight's heaps old, but I still feel like I'm twenty one. <laughs> yeah, isn't that a weird like a young fella. <laughs> Yeah, you it's sort a of, weird you... concept though. Because when you when you're like fourteen, right, you look at eighteen year olds, you're like, wow, they're so big. And then when you are that age, you're like, I feel the same. And now at twenty eight, you're like, I still feel the same. Don't you reckon? Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, it's very similar. Like I play soccer and stuff now with young fellas. They're like eighteen, and I don't feel. Much different to them, but they're probably thinking, look at this old bastard, useless old fella. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah, yeah, and they say, they say, I think from what I've read is your body grows up until 27, 28, 27, I think, or maybe it's even 26 and your body then fully develops and then from then on, it's, it's not downhill, yeah. but the body doesn't grow anymore and I think that natural fitness lasts up to about that age because I'm the same, I play soccer too and I come back and... The boys are running around, they're like 18, 19. And, I th- and when I ask them, they're like, yeah, I'm 19. I'm like, are you 19? I thought you were like 26. And <laughs> yeah. then their fitness is just natural, whereas it starts to sort of disappear. Yeah, no, Not as me. you get older. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, so, yeah. the young fellas really run rings around me these days, but I, I, yeah. I'm starting to grow outwards, <laughs> which is incredible. <laughs> <laughs> fitness, in, well, fitness and health is kind of you have to earn it now. Like yeah, no, it's a lot harder. A bit older. Yeah. Yep. And you Still can't young, eat. Though. Definitely can't eat like you could when I was younger. I used to just eat anything. Now I've got to watch it. Did everything. you? Yeah. It's, um, yeah so what's the diet out. now? What's the diet I have like to, now? I can't, I can't eat as many pies as what I used to. That's for sure. <laughs> I have to, have to maintain it. It's not, you wouldn't be getting many pies into you anyway because you're not on the road anymore. Yeah, no, I, I haven't. I sort of. I have definitely slowed down on the pie intake, but yeah, hopefully we can get back on the road soon. And I can get back into it. Yeah, that'd be right. That'd be good. It's it's a weird old time. So, um, we talked we talked about a fair few things last time. I'm going to touch on a few of them. This is actually the first podcast I've done as like a catch up, getting someone back on again. So you should feel privileged that you the first one to get a, a repeat at mate. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, very good. And I think you were in like the 30s. Um, we did have a bit of a, a dull patch there, um, which I'm sure people would have liked to have a fair few podcasts through that period because a few were in lockdown, but um, we're back into them now, which is good. I kind of missed them sitting down and talking. But what's been happening with you of late in the fishing scene? It's been 16 months since I spoke to you. We did do a live Q&A in the membership, so we kind of touched, we, we met up and did a bit of talking then, uh, but that was more on fishing stuff. So what's happened for you anything exciting happened in the fishing scene well you did get the live text since we last talk you got the garmin so that's kind of interesting i'm going to talk about that and that's probably going to be something that i'll talk about with everyone in every uh episode but yeah anything exciting or big or happened in the last 16 months for you not yeah not not like heaps exciting sort of just the same same stuff really um i sort of the last few months i haven't done as much fishing um, as what I was, I guess yeah. the last time, last podcast we did, I finished the season off and 
still been getting out and still I've caught some good fish, but nothing. You haven't I haven't like cracked anything anything massive. What is your um, PB? Uh, one twenty one. I got two of them now. <laughs> when was the one was blaring? Yeah, and then I had I got one up at Copeton a few years back as well. So. Yeah, right. Okay, which one was bigger? Oh, the blaring one was like heaps. It would have yeah would have been a lot heavier. It was a pretty ridiculous fish. The other one, the one at Copeton, was sort of real old, sort of wasn't in as good a condition. It was thick, but nothing like that blaring yeah. one. Yeah, so you've just been plugging along pretty well just with your fishing over the last... Yeah, sort of, yeah, just cod... I haven't really done much else than codfish this season. Um, normally, yeah, normally mixed up a bit, but just cod fishing, um, slowed down the last few months. It's been, I've found this season pretty tough. Because um, of the water? Yeah, just heaps more water and the bait, which is good in the long run, but short term it's been pretty tough, I reckon. Um Plenty of people are still out there catching them, but yeah, I've, I've sort of struggled. And then, yeah, just the last few months, we've just had non-stop rain, so it sort of ended the season pretty quickly for me. Yeah, right. So the what the rain just filled, Wyangla filled up pretty quick, didn't it? Yeah, it's pretty much got up to almost 100. And then, yeah, the water's sort of gone to shit. It's real dirty and stuff. But the like early on, it was the water was really clear. It's clear as I've ever seen it, I reckon. Um, what do you mean, like so May? I've, oh, right from from December. I couldn't believe it. The first time I went out in December, it was clear as you know. Wyangla's been sort of dropping and dirty for oh, three or four years, I guess now. Ever yeah. since it was full last, and then yeah, I couldn't believe it with that influx of water last end of last winter and into spring, and then yeah, it was clear as and it it did fish pretty good through summer and autumn, but yeah, just this heavy rain that sort of bumped it from. I think it was sitting around the 60s and just bumped it straight back up to almost 100. So yeah. that sort of made it dirty again and, um, yeah, it just made it tough. So if it settles and, say, it goes clear and it's nice at, like, 90%, is it a cool place to fish when it's high? Yeah, it is. It's pretty cool. Um, I like it. Down around that 60, 70 is probably my favourite, I reckon, because you've okay. got all the timber comes into play up the river arms. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's it's just yeah, it's probably perfect around there. Um, I haven't really fished it. Last time I sort of really fished it when it was a hundred was yeah when it was full. I think I don't know if it was twenty sixteen or seventeen, but yeah, it would have been a fair while ago. So yeah, it's definitely different. But and what was your cool. sorry? What was your most memorable from the winner? Do you have one? What was your biggest from this winner or most memorable? Or you have a scenario that really stuck out or stuck out in your head of any in particular, or they were all sort of similar. Um, were they all on the live stuff? Um, most, yeah, I'd say probably eighty percent on live. Um, it's sort of the live stuff. I reckon stuffed me up a bit at the start because I was so reliant on it, and then I was actually fishing with my old man. Uh, must have been late January. And it was an early morning, and I was just getting so frustrated because I could see the fish on the live scope, but we were sort of sitting a bit deeper and sort of targeting timber and stuff. And I was just getting really frustrated because it had been, like, we are going, had a fair few trips there where it was just really tough and catching bugger all. And then it was right on first light, and the old man, there was a bit of bait flickering yeah. on the surface, and um, it was sort of getting towards the, like, sort of part, just to the end of prime time. The old man's just like, oh, just bugger it, let's just go fish like we were last season before we had the live stuff so i just chucked it like a lightly weighted 
Gantron and second cast are bang to 110. <laughs> and that sort of yeah so that sort of changed like that sort of got me away from I was like holy shit what I've been out there in the deeper water targeting targeting these fish that just aren't active should have been up a bit shallower targeting active fish on that prime bite time the whole time so after that I started to um,
on the live scope, but you'd bring your lure out to the edge of the weed, let it sink down a bit, and then start slow winding, the fish would actually come out from the weed. That's and cool. And doing that. So. so when you're finding them real close to the edge, what's the weed in? What is it weed or is it grass? Is it weed? Oh, no, it's weed, yeah. You sort of down in the main basin, you get you get it sometimes. Uh, the last few years has been bugger all, but this year, because it was a lot healthier, there was a bit there in the main base, and there was a few good bays that we found. Yeah. Um, that we sort of went between that had yeah. a bit of growth there. So. And you found that you didn't have to like really line them up bang on when they were like that because they're actually active. So uh, did yeah. you find those fish, you can actually cast to where you saw him slip up out of the weed and then he disappeared, but then you'd find as you burn it through, he'd full just appear. Is that how the technique worked or did you just have yeah, to be bang on them? Yeah, no, no, they'd come a lot further. Like a lot of the time you'd see them, then they'd slip back in the weed, you'd lose them, but you just put a cast in the general area and because they were up there feeding, you'd, you'd, you wouldn't see them actually eat it on the live scope, but you'd, you'd pick one up, so they'd, yeah. actually, they'd find it. So I think that's one of the things with the live scope. I don't know, what do you reckon? That well, the biggest thing, oh, sorry, I'll, I'll say. Go, um, go. I reckon a lot of people get the live scope and actually spend too much time targeting fish that aren't active, like they might be sitting down on a tree or something, and they're just really not going to eat where they should, yeah, so that you can actually see, it's easier to see the fish in that instance with the live scope, but they're a lot harder to catch, whereas if you're up fishing at those prime bite times and actually searching for active fish, they're going to be a lot easier to catch if you put a lure in front of them when they're actually up there eating. Yep, you reckon I spent half my winter doing? Yeah. (laughs) Doing exactly what you just explained, I reckon. Yeah, so that's, well, that's what I did at the start of the season as well, so. Yeah, and then... The hardest thing, so for me, yeah, it's interesting because did you catch any out wider? Did you catch any oh, out and deep stuff? A few, but you had yeah, to line a few, them up. But nothing like, yeah, nothing like. There was so many refusals. So many, so. eh? Mm-hmm. So the thing that's got me is is weird. Is I think every impoundment is different, um, and the issue with me with blaring is the carp are that big. That when you, how does yours, and I'm using, I'm using Lowrance, you're using Garmin, so this would be a good discussion. How do you go shooting into that one meter when there's grass and weed? Are the fish really hard to see and you can only just see movement? Like you can't actually tell how big it is. My point is, do you reckon you could tell the difference between an 80 centimeter carp and a meter cod? That's the biggest issue with blaring. Yeah, uh, probably not up in that, in that yeah. depth. Um, you just think it's an 80 centimetre fish around that size. So mm, That's the yeah. hardest part. It, like in my angle, you can you sort of get used to what the carp look like, I guess, and like yeah. how they swim differently and everything. And especially yeah. like the big the big cod, you know, sort of straight away because you can almost see the shoals on them. But as, yeah, when you get up really shallow in that weed and stuff, it yeah, the shallower it gets, the harder it is to actually make out what's going on and sort you sometimes are just sort of casting on if you see like movement on the screen or whatever because i talked to a few people that fish it at blaring and they've stopped using it um as active you know what i mean they've stopped chasing the fish out wide and on the same and i think i think most people have said the same thing that the fish out deep and wide like the fish out wide are not easy to catch and you would think they'd just chase it but i don't think and i've been telling people that the fish when I go out and we're scanning, I'm like, look, there's one out there, he's out whatever depth. I'm like, these are not the fish we were catching before using this stuff. Yep. I said, we did not catch one of those fish, I don't reckon. Yep. 
So, yeah. I've caught all mine this winter. That's a lot. At Blaring, the ones I've caught were the wide ones, but the cast had to be on. Um, and at Barrenjack, half of the ones I caught were wide ones. And I said to everyone I fished with, those ones were not the ones. We would not have caught one of them because the cast has to be like bang on. Like yep. to a stupid amount that it's like surely our cast weren't that good back in the day. Yeah. Yep. So I um, I'm, I agree with you. Byron Jack's a lot easier to find those fish up shallow because the carp don't get that big and they're real easy to tell. The blaring carp, you can work out their carp. They have a different return and they swim differently. But when you mix them in with, it's not weed at blaring, it's like full shrubs at 100. Um, this can be that hard. And you can still put casts in towards them, but it can be that hard to tell the difference. And because there's so many 80 centimeter carp and, mm. you know, there might be one cod scattered in, it's a technique. I still. Yeah, it hasn't worked out. So I've just gone back to the, the, the prime bites, especially first light, just casting, just having it pointed in towards, make sure there's bait in there and just work on that edge. Um, that's blaring. Byron Jack's totally different. You can tell them. So yeah, yeah. I agree. So you reckon it's a, the cod themselves, they're active, they're feeding, that's where they move? It has to be. Like Yeah, I think so. Especially on like that, those prime bite times when the bait's up there. If you like, you can sort of see the bait on the live scope as well. If that if that's up there, then any cod that you see up there is going to be up there feeding. So you've got a better chance of catching what. Like, I I'm always 360 in the pole around, and a lot of the time I'll see like I'll cast every like every cod you see in in those prime bite times. But if you see one like say the banks on the right, if you see one out to the left in the deeper water, you've got so much lesser chance of catching that fish than if you see him on the right. So. Like, all the time, like, I fish with my old man all the time, and I'm just like, he's he's probably not going to eat, like, probably only caught one or two out that left-hand side, whereas you see a fish on the the right, up on the back, like, up in the shallower stuff, yeah, yeah you, I don't know, maybe 20 or 30% of the time, you, you might get him to eat, so, and that's a lot um, better off. Yeah, so what do you reckon? Do you reckon they just go out deep to rest, or it's weird, eh? It's like it's a, I'll go up shallow, I'll feed... And then the ones out deep, are you finding them where you are just full mooching around middle of the water column doing whatever they want? Like yeah, the ones yeah. we've found are doing whatever they want. There's like no rules and they're just yeah, no, chilling. That's the yeah, that's one of the one of the biggest things with the live stuff is just seeing what they what they're doing and it's sort of unbelievable. Like you wouldn't before having the live stuff, you wouldn't have thought that's what they'd be up to. Like you'd think they'd just be sitting on trees. Or in any type of structure on rock walls and stuff, but yeah, they just cruise around and do whatever they want all day as well. Like middle of the day, they'll just be cruising yeah. around and not far under the surface, like sort of real eye opener in that sense. They're a weird fish, eh? Like even yeah. now, I reckon. You know how we used to have theories, like, and we still do have theories, and now yeah. this thing's kind of broken theories. It's almost made it worse to a point. It's better because we've learnt more, but it's almost like, what are they doing? Like. It's it's crazy some of them and have you had them come and look at the petrol motor? Yeah, I so many times when I pull up to a spot and you drop the live scope straight away, you'll find you'll always see fish or not always, but a lot of the time, as soon as you put that um, transducer in the water, there'll be a cod coming sort of straight towards the boat to see what it is. I reckon. Yeah, they're not so, stupid. And then, yeah, and then like with the live stuff as well, if once. Like, once they come within five metres of the boat, they know, the, or even ten metres, they know the boat's there, and it's so hard to get them to eat once they know that boat's there. So, you need to try and get them to commit before they, before they get too close. That's they, what I was yeah. going to say. 
Is you reckon 10? Like, have you had many eat close to the boat? I've had a few, but I think if you can get them really fixated on the lure, they just sort of, and like they're cruising at a good speed behind it, like they ride on it, I reckon they actually sort of lose their sense of where they are and what's going on. They just get fixated on the bait. Um, but if they're sort of just moseying behind it and they're not too keen, you'll start to see them pull off a bit. Like once you get sort of 10, 10 metres away, you, they definitely know it's there. So, yeah. Um, but I've, I've had, I did have a couple where like I knew the fish was falling it all the way to the boat and I like pretty much figure-aided it at really? the boat and had a couple, yeah, had a couple like sort of soak me from eating it sort of off the surface right next to the boat. But those ones, like, I, would, I knew that they will they'll keen, like, because just the way they'll fall in the lure. But, you know, 90, 95% of the time, you can you can watch a fish fall in and be like, he's not going to eat it. He's definitely mm. not going to eat it. So. Yeah, you can tell. Do you notice that they, how do they, what have they done for you? I've noticed that most of them, when they're keen and they want to eat, they actually swim past the lure underneath it and they attack yeah. straight up on its head. Yeah. Or they yeah. overtake it sideways and eat it on its head across the head. How yeah, crazy! It's pretty sick. Once once they do that, and you sort of see them go vertical in the water column. You just you know it's going to happen. I've had a few times <laughs> where where I've sort of the old man's he's cast at it, and I just I'm just watching. He's sitting down the back of the boat. He doesn't really look at it too much, but I just sort of tell him where to go. And yeah, it's been pretty sick where he's just reeling it in, and I'm just watching the whole thing unfold. Like right, I. It's about to eat it, and then you just watch it go vertical and bang, he's on. It's pretty sick. How cool is it? It's the best yeah. thing. And then when they do that, it's awesome. I actually had one because a lot of them, like you said, they drop off. You know how you were saying they sort of they drop off when they're sort of not interested and the lure's starting to rise and they're sort of going like that and you're like, oh, no, nah, it's no good. you got to let it sink. That yeah. happened on the trip to Coton with Dan and we'd fished for five days. Oh, we mapped, but there was a little bit of fishing in there and Dan had, had fish follow flat out. And then this one here, the one that he got to eat, he, he's going and the thing turned. So, it went over him and it went over his back. He must have been sideways because I could see the return. He was just it was like a circle and he turned and he's on it. I'm like, yeah, he's on it, he's on it, he's on it. I didn't know what he was going to do. It wasn't one or the other. And then he dropped and I'm like, and originally he sort of dropped and didn't catch up. But, and then I'm like, oh, he, he's, he's lost it. And then he paused it, but then he went like that. He went vertical. Mm -hmm. Like he dropped... And he'd sort of dropped off a bit, but then he accelerated and vertical. I'm like, nah, keep one and don't let that sink and just <laughs> straight up under its head. They're crazy. And that goes back to when we were using plastics way back and I was so, missed so many hits on the head. So here I was, I assumed that they actually overtook it and ate it head first, which some of them might because if you're yeah. slow rolling a plastic down near the bottom, which I used to do a lot of, a lot of them would probably they can't get under it because you're so close to the bottom so they would eat it head first or side on but now we know a lot of them eat below the head and that's probably why that swinging hook that i whack on the head of my plastics has caught yep. nearly every single fish just yeah yeah no i reckon they like to come from below and just engulf it so that's cool uh, so those so you'd say that technique you use of fish and shallow did you find that happen as much at the end of winter or they were still, had, uh, sorry, not winter, end of summer when you started to work that out or was shallow then like four meters? Like how did that transition? Yeah. Then? Normally we fish deeper, you know, in the summer and then we yeah, go shallow no, in the I Yeah, I was still finding them sort of four, four to five meters and then sort of from, yeah, from like late summer as it just got cooler and cooler, 
you'd find them shallower and shallower. But they were still, I was actually pretty surprised. They were still pretty shallow at like at the end of summer. So right, not something. Yeah, it's not, not what. Yeah, not what I would have thought. Not what my theories sort of tell me. But yeah, coolest part of the day, I guess. And right on first light. And if the bait's up there, then. I guess they go up there for a fee, but yeah, not not super shallow, around that four to five metres. But yeah, I was wasting so much time out in 10 metres of water and casting at fish sitting on trees and stuff, and they just weren't weren't going to eat. And yeah, as I said, I reckon that's the biggest thing with anyone getting into it, um, is they just sort of, yeah, they might fall into that, um, seeing those trap. fish that aren't active. Yeah, it's a trap, because you, cause you can find the fish so easy. But they're just, yeah, they're just not going to eat. So, like, they, some of them will f- slip up, but yeah, you just got so much better chance of getting a fish to eat if it's actually in a feeding mode and in a feeding zone. And and then as you moved into winter, what, what depth did you find? One to three metres or one to four? Yeah, I'd st- yeah sit in that four to five and, and just scan up to the bank. So Yeah, so you, catch, uh, you caught plenty in two, like that two, two yeah, and a half metres. Yeah. yeah, most of the time I was fishing unweighted swim bait still. Yeah, okay. So you're fishing like a foot, two foot under the surface with an unweighted swim bait. Yeah, like gantrels sort of with your upgraded hooks. They, they get down a metre, metre metre and a bit. Um, but yeah, I'd, I like to be, well, what, yeah, what I like to do is try to be a, about a metre, even more above the fish's head. Yeah. Um, and try and get him to come up to it. I just found if I got it too close to the fish, a lot of the time you'd spook him. Um, and yeah, they just weren't too keen. But if I if I could get one, if I could bring it like even two meters above a fish's head and get it to sort of look up and start coming up towards it, a lot of the time he'd slip up and eat it. Yeah. Okay. So you're and the other thing that would be good about that is that you can adjust your retrieve as you need if it's unweighted. So it's not like you're having yeah. to keep one and one and one and rod tip up. You could dead set, burn, pause, wait, yeah. let it sort of sit there for a second. Even if you yep. needed to wait for a fish to turn or something, couldn't you? They're like so much more natural. Yeah, it, it made it a bit easier in that in that respect. Um, and I even got a few fish on the pause because it looks natural because it's pretty much just sort of super slowly sinks or or just sits there. Whereas like the guys fishing with real heavy chin weights on there, once that once you pause it and it starts to plummet, they lose interest straight away. So. Yeah. Yeah. But that and that sort of goes back to the season before where I didn't have it. I just fished unweighted swim baits the whole, all sort of autumn and winter. And it and, worked. Yeah, like cleaned up and that was all just doing like two wines, pause, two wines, pause. And then once I got yeah, once I got the live scope, well, I thought I started fishing because I was fishing deeper, fishing with the heavy weights. I was like I hate this when I as soon as I pause it, like what how's this working? But <laughs> I think it's just a weight thing on your lures, so yeah, it's got to look natural for them. They're not they're not stupid. So if it little starts to plummet in front of them, a lot of the time they're not going to eat it. But if it sort of just sits there and sort of moseying about, thinking there's nothing behind it, that's when they'll commit. It's a weird concept, day eh, to think how come this isn't working? We used to do it, but yeah. it's weird. Now, now I reckon the same thing. So I found the exact same thing. They do not like a pause. And I'm I'm using so you're talking about two different lures. So you're talking about a swim bait that sits and swim bait that sinks. I've actually found with plastics using the exact same plastic. I used to catch seventy percent of the fish on the pause. Now I catch, well not catch, but I have not had one that's following eat on the pause. Actually, one, but I didn't actually see it on the screen. So I had one, but other than that, they do not like a pause. Like so many times, you're like, what do I do? Pause, gone. And I'm like, what is going on? 
But I reckon yeah. it's because those fish, 90% of those fish we're chasing are not the fish we were chasing before. Yeah. You reckon? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree. It'd have to It'd be. be. And what about the carp? What have you noticed the carp do? Do they, do they in Wyangler, do they go straight to the top jump and then go back straight back to the bottom? Do they yeah, do that? Yeah, it's super weird. Yeah. There's like crucian carp, that's the bait that I try and chase around, which are just like a real small sort of version of a European. And when they sort of like in autumn and winter, when they're on the surface in the, at first light, you know, like, you know, it's a good zone. And I, yeah, before I had the live stuff, like I was always wondering what the hell they're doing. Like, are they just sort of up on that top foot of the water, just grabbing stuff off the surface? But they literally come up. Like, you could be sitting in four or five metres of water yeah. and just see one shoot up on the live scope. you like, oh, here, 10 metres away, he's going to come to the surface, bang on the surface, and then it just drops straight back down to the bottom. What the hell yeah, are so, they doing? Yeah, like, I always thought they must have been feeding on some type of insect hatch or something, but I don't know, I've got no idea, because they can't, surely they can't see a little insect that's when they're four, four metres down, nah. sitting on the, like, they can't see it up on the surface. So I, I don't know what they're doing, but, it's yeah, weird, kind of weird. Yeah. <laughs> they do it everywhere. They do it at Mawala. They do it at Blaring. They do it. Back. They do it everywhere. It's so weird. I don't know yeah. whether it, maybe it's an oxygen thing at that temperature light change, or I don't know what it is. But I think that the fact that they do that, right? So there's another thing I've got for you. I find the Blaring fish completely different to the Burrenjuck fish, right? The Burrenjuck fish are very tree orientated. You'll find the active ones actually sitting up in the trees in deep water but they'll be sitting up real high um, and mm-hmm. at first light you'll you'll catch those fish right they'll also sh- sit on the flats but because blaring's got no timber I find the active ones are hugging like you're sort of talking about that concept there at Wyangler in the weed up real shallow on the bottom and I find that all the active cod are sitting on the bottom um, from that one to five meters and they blend in you can't even see them and we're chasing the ones that you can see. They're not active. They're that hard to catch. I And I used to catch heaps and heaps on the paws on plastics, right? So here I am thinking, I'm keen to see what your thoughts are on this. I reckon those cod, especially at first light, hit those carp that have fallen straight back down. So those carp that have gone up to jump, they hear the splash. And natural, it is natural for the lure to, or the, the, the carp to sink straight down. And that's what I used to do with my plackies. I used to cast them in. They used to splash. I used to sink them right down and get eaten on that drop. Um, it used to also, and it also happened on the pauses. So I reckon when a plastic's fallen straight down, to them, that's Im- imitating what the carp are doing. Do you reckon? Yeah, no, I've actually had this exact conversation with a few people after showing them on the live scope what they're doing. They're like, well, we need to start imitating this. Like, because that's natural for them, exactly what you're saying. And then yeah. that's probably why you used to get a lot of fish on the pools, I guess. Um, even yeah. same with me, with chatterbaits and stuff. Like, I don't I don't use chatterbaits at all now with the live stuff. But I always used to get fish on chatterbaits, like, first light. Um, and always on the pools as well. And I reckon that's exactly what, what they think it is, is that, that crucian carp or whatever, carp coming back straight back down the bottom. Just like the yeah the plastic or the chatterbait just plummeting so yeah and pretty the, the plastics and the chatterbait do it best because when they sink you get them nose down the tail goes like that and you can see the carp they're straight up and down like they're full yeah. sinking straight down with their tail going straight back to the bottom and boom into the bottom so yeah. I reckon yeah. that's why they work and then maybe the swim baits because they've got the weights on them when we pause them they're not realistic because they just like yeah do yeah I reckon. Yeah. 
So I like the concept of, and it's funny because it's not a concept because we used to do it anyway, what you're talking about with the swim baits shallow and you just went back to doing what you were doing before but now you've got the addition of being able to sort of pick some up here and there. So when you work a bank, right? So this is my thoughts. I just want to see how you do it. If you got a morning session, you're working a bank at Wyangla, are you still casting? Are you just casting and have the pole there or you're still looking and you don't cast until you see one up shallow? How do you do it now? Uh, yeah, normally, like if I'm normally with the old man and he'll sort of sit at the back and he'll just cast away. I'm a lot, yeah, I still stay on the pole a fair bit, um, especially right. in like that, that main hour. Um, I just feel like if he's going to cover all that sort of, like as I'm cruising, he's going to cover everything with his swim bait at the back. And then if I find one, then we can sort of hone in on it. Um, like in, a lot of the time you might only see, I don't know, like on a really good morning, you might, you might see up to a dozen fish and you'll get a few chances. But a lot of the time you might only see sort of four or five fish for the morning and yep. yeah, hopefully you can get one of them to eat. So I, I sort of move, try and move pretty quick um, in that prime time, trying to find one that's up there feeding. But yeah, a lot of it, like it sort of plays on my mind. Like should Isn't I just, it? just, yeah, because Obviously, you, you can't see them when they're up in that weed and stuff a lot of the time. So if you just were fishing unweighted swim baits over that stuff, would you catch more fish? Um, but that's that's one of the things with the live scope as well. I find it very hard to not actually use. just yeah not use it once it's there. And like <laughs> like if I like I got, I will start blind casting, but as soon as I start blind casting, I've turn the pole to my lure and I'm like, oh, there's nothing behind it and just rip it in. Isn't it weird? Thing. That's yeah. crazy. I feel exactly so, in my head. I'm like, I've, my mind has done the exact same thing. We did a yeah, morning session. Go again. I was just going to say, it's amazing, like when you do start blind casting, how many fish are like what you say down at Blair and just sitting on the bottom, you can't pick them up or that are in that weed and they will actually fall you out. I've had a fair few times where I just start blind casting and then, yeah, you pick your lure. I'm like, holy shit, there's one behind it and caught a few doing that. So Yeah. yeah I so. reckon the smaller ones, did, we'd, we'd had a couple of small ones at Jack and at Blair and just shoot up out of nowhere, like yep. full emerge out of the bottom chasing it and they chased it a long way. There was, we were actually casting at one. We weren't even shallow. We were just casting at this big one that was mooching around and we cast past it and started whining and I'm like, there's one on it and I'm like, it's like, as he looked at it, I said, no, nah, no, nah, he's not looking at it at all. I said, there's like yeah. a full of 70 centimetre cod has full just flown up five meters but like on an angle so he's covered like three meters and risen two or three and he was about to eat it got to it and spooked but yeah they that's what i reckon i reckon most of them you catch travel a long way and mm. they're sitting on the bottom but i love what you just said because i've had the exact same thought i sat we did one morning session and we started just blind cast and there was carp everywhere and i kept pointing the pole at the lure and like, there's nothing on it what's the point it's real yeah. weird to get your head around and I reckon you've either got to just put it away and just fish confidently, which I could quite happily do. But if it's sitting there... Actually, I did it the other morning. I did it with a bit more self-control. I kind of just pointed it, fished it and just burnt it once I'd fished it out of that real shallow stuff. But yeah, I like the way that you were saying, have one on the pole and then one sort of covering because, you yeah. know... And then when you find one up there you find it and you kind of lose it, do you be like, do you like, right, I'll punch a cast in that area, punch another cast yeah. in that area, look for him. And if you can't find him again, what do you give him, 10 or so, and then keep going? 
Hey guys, I just want to talk to you for a real quick minute before we jump back into the episode with Jacko. Now, what I want to talk to you about is gear is important. So, what and and a question I get asked a lot of the time is what models do you use? What rods do you use? What weight? What braid? And those things. And understanding that can give you a bit of an idea or a bit of confidence in the gear that you're going to buy. Now, we actually have a free ebook that outlines all the team social fishing's gear that we use, our go-to setups for different styles of fishing. So there's a free ebook and it's available inside our email list. All you have to do is sign up to our email list and we also send out heaps of awesome content in that list. If you're a part of that list, you already know about it. You have already been receiving some awesome content that I send out. I talk to you guys about different things that we don't talk about in this podcast or in other channels. It's just extra information. So if you're wanting to learn and grow, which obviously are because you're listening to this podcast, we share heaps in that email list. So you can easily jump on, just go to socialfishing.com.au, jump on our website, just scroll down from the top a little bit and you'll see there, you can join our free email list. Jump on that, I will send you that free ebook with all the Team SF's gear, the stuff that we use. And then obviously, I will be in contact with you with more content, information, follow-ups. There's heaps of awesome content in there. So that's just one way to learn more, grow more, and get a lot more content is by jumping on the social fishing community email list. Right, guys, let's get back to the chat with Jacko. Yeah, if if he ducks back into the weed, like if, if you miss the cast and he, he's got no idea, then I'll give him, I'll like, man, the old man will give him a crack, like, just cast in that top area. But if, um, like, generally you'll get a cast on him and you'll know the lure's there. And if he shows sort of no interest, I'll just give up on him pretty much straight, straight away. away. I'll give him, yeah, two or three casts. And if he's just not keen, then move on. And you've had that happen on those shallow fish? Yeah, yeah, you, st- you still will get rejected a lot of the time. Um, but you'll, yeah, you'll get a lot more to eat, like... Not like you'd normally get a follow at least, like get them to follow at least. Um, some of those fish that I find on the timber and stuff, they just won't even budge sometimes. And they'll I swim talk, the other way. I talked to you in April last year. Do you remember when you bought it? Was it mid winter uh, or early winter? No, I bought it. So I remember the last podcast, I think we were talking about it because my cousin just yep. got, got it on yep. his skater. And Robbo had actually just caught caught like a 112 out at one. 112. On it, yeah, that that's it. The, yeah. <laughs> That was like the first sort of experience I'd had with it on cod. Like we'd, I'd ha- he'd had it for when we were talking, would have had it for maybe f- six months, I guess, and seen some pretty cool stuff like with yellow belly. And we had it when we went up barra fishing as well. But yep. yeah, just that was sort of the first cod experience I had with, it and it was pretty sick. But I got it, I got it on my boat right at the end of August, so right at the end of oh, the last season. Okay, so I pretty much fished all last season without it. Yep, and then I've had it all this season. So did it make a difference? Like, I know you've probably just, in your head, add up how much fishing you did. So, maybe you did a little bit less, you were saying. Um, did you catch more big fish? Less? Did it make a difference? No. I, well, I caught fish different ways, I guess, like, because a lot of them were on the live scope. But I caught more, I did catch more fish last year than I have this year. And is that because so. you fished more or even if you add up? If you, I'd like, say if you even out the time, it would still. It's be hard. It's more. like really hard to sort of judge. But I'd say if I had the live scope last year, I probably would have caught more. I think this year wasn't because I was fishing differently with the live scope. I think it was more because the, the conditions season. were different. Yeah, just different conditions, tougher fishing, I reckon. Um, fuller water. Last year there was like bugger all bait, sort of like there was bait, but there was nothing like there is now. So. Um, 
yeah, it, I just thought the fish were a lot easier to, to fool last season than yeah. this year. Um, I, I like with bite windows and stuff like. The amount of bait this this season is just ridiculous. Like I can't believe the amount of bait. There's just bait balls and shit everywhere. But um, like, and with a bite window, when you think like the way I think about it, is like say a fish wants to go up on the edge and feed. Say last season when there wasn't that much bait, that might that fish might take, you know, an hour and a half cruising the edge looking for food. So you've got an hour and a half chance of catching him up on that edge. Yeah. But with the amount of bait there is at the moment. Like, they'd gorge themselves, but they, they just wouldn't keep eating and eating and eating. So I reckon they can go up there and sort of half an hour and get, get what they need and then sort of uh, mosey on back out to the deep. So I, that's yeah, that's one of the theories that I've... Like that. Yeah. That's one, that's one of the theories I've had as why it's been tougher. Um, I haven't fished as much as well this season. Like, last year I went pretty crazy out there. But, um, yeah, I, I think... Yeah, I got pretty much. I think I caught thirteen over the mark last year. I think I got twelve this season, but I caught a lot more smaller fish last year. Yeah, because you were just casting and catching them, whereas this year you kind of yeah looking for bigger fish. Yeah, yeah, yeah sort of really focus on that big fish. Mm, it's interesting, eh? It's it's yeah. yeah, it's made a difference to me, but it's only because I capitalised on like this period before the rain at Barranjack, where it was just like. Unreal. Yeah, you looked had a mad run down there. <laughs> yeah, I had a mad three. What did we get? We got four meteries in three trips. Yeah, that's pretty Back sick. to back in three weeks. And that was, I got two of them. Tao got one. Hocko got one. And yep. Mawala as well. I managed to get a Mawala a couple of times and that place is stupid. Like, yeah, it, Hocko's been smashing him down there, eh? Yeah, he's he's All probably right. caught a lot more than you've seen too. He's he's doing real well. He's really nutted yeah. it out. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, Mawala's crazy. I've heard of a lot of people catching stacks in Mawala, but there's just so many fish in there and mm. like ridiculous fish. That, can... That's one place that it's like I, I've never actually fished Mawala, but that's one place where it seems that the... Live scope has really sort of changed the way people are fishing it from what I've heard and seen. Yep, massively. Everywhere else is... Like you can still... I could confidently tell someone they can go to blaring with or without it and I can you just have just as much chance. Yep. There was last year... We had one night session and I reckon... And I'm sort of... I'm not kicking myself but I know that last year... It was a big change, a big change, like a big changing point from last year to this year. And I think you were bang on with what you said about Wangler. Blaring's a little bit harder to tell with, but I would have loved to have either had it last year or not had it this year because Blaring last year, you know, we, we fished a certain way, um, but there was no redfin. There hasn't been redfin in there since 2010. They all died in 2010 from that virus. So there has been yep. no redfin in Blaring. Very, very small, like very, very small scattered fish here and there like they wouldn't even be eating them and then they started to school like there was one I found one decent school last winter but that spring they went nuts and they are like played in there again just from one spring so when we come into this winter I predicted it to be pretty tough and you were saying the same with my anglers just bait everywhere and there would be bait in most places because of all the water coming in but I would have loved to have fished the same as I did last year to compare, because I remember we had some nights where we, one night we got seven hits. We did drop them all, but we still got seven hits from Big Cod. Yeah. Two or three of them were meteries for sure. Just didn't stick. And I didn't come close to anything like that this winter. But I'm fishing differently, so it was real hard to compare. So I would have loved to have known, was it the live that was actually making it worse for me? Or would it have been tough anyway because of the 
the lack of um, food. But I almost think if you're going to somewhere like Blaring, the fish are that hung, tucked in against the bottom that I'd still be confident just peppering a bank up along the edge. I don't know. Barren Jack, yeah. totally different. Mawala, even more different. Like, Mawala's just crazy. Um, Boangla, do they... Do you find they more... Do you find there was many active ones on trees high at all? Or you actually found that the I sort edges of, were way I, better? Yeah, I sort of gave up on fishing trees sort of after. I sort of went back to fishing the edge again. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, I know like some boys smashed it there last year, especially through summer fishing deep trees and stuff. But it's hard. Like, as you say, like we a lot of us didn't have it last season. Now we've got it this season and the conditions are just so different. So it's kind of hard to... Make a yeah, make a judgment call on if we're doing the wrong thing or whatever. Um, it'll be interesting to see like over the next few years, especially if we start the water goes down again and it gets, you know, it's sort of drought on land, drown in the water, and the the bait dries up a bit. Start to see what happens, but yeah, I don't know. I I, I fished. I just done a lot of like really early morning sessions, like short sharp ones, and fish that my main bite window. So I was pretty much always just fishing the edge. Yeah. Just I, yeah. I I fished the timber December January like early on and then I caught a few but yeah I just gave up on it because I was getting so many refusals and then yeah once once we sort of cracked that that one fish man the old man it sort of just changed everything sort of just went back I don't know I don't know why I wasn't doing it the whole time type thing. <laughs> yeah. Just, uh, yeah. We, yeah we all have another thought I had we all have like a go to lure right and some of us it's the same lure forever. Some of us it changes season to season. Did you have a go-to lure this year that you use more than you usually have and that stood out for you? Um, the like ten model, inch mag, like an... ten inch mag draft. I caught probably the most fish on this season, okay. and that's that's one I, I've never fished before. So, but I used to like I was always chatterbaits were always my go-to. I love chatterbait fishing. I don't think I caught a fish this season on chatterbaits. I pretty much just fished swim baits in some form, like hard or big soft yeah. ones the the whole time so so did the mag draft sink quick on you or did you nah, still burn it yeah no nah, it's so just like a they've got a weight in them but they sort of if you just cast them out and start start reeling it in they sort of only go a couple of meters under the surface but you can it does allow you to get down a bit deeper as well yeah um because you can just let them get down there obviously but yeah, that, the mag draft and then just the usual jackal stuff so gantrels and gantrels yeah. The yeah. gigants I normally rigged on a half ounce chin weight. And then the the gantrels I'd I'd have them unweighted. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And they'd both sink like that pretty similar. Is the other one more buoyant? Yeah, oh, the giant I'd sort of yeah, I'd sorta of have three combos on the, the deck. Yes. Yeah, so, and like a lot of the time like I'd have two rods sort of right next to me and judging on where the like where I found the fish would dictate what lure I picked up. Yeah. So like if I, there was one really shallow, then I'd I'd just go the unweighted lure, or if it was sort yeah. of sort of yeah you know, like three meters, three or four meters even, I'd go the unweighted. But if I found one sort of down five or like sitting sort of hugging on the bottom, then I'd want something that would get down a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Um, what is what's the one biggest thing for you that I know it's probably something you've already touched on tonight. What's the one biggest thing that you've learned from the, the live stuff? Is there one thing that really sticks in your mind? Just one thing? Oh, that... Probably just try and fish those main bite windows and try and target active fish, like if you've got it or you don't have it. it yeah, I've touched on it plenty of times already tonight, but 
I just think that's the so biggest thing you've learned from it. You yourself, yeah. you just well, thought... I, well, just from spending so much time chasing fish that weren't keen to eat and wondering why they weren't, and then sort of yeah, targeting fish that are up there, like up in a zone that are actually feeding. How different the response you get from them is. Um, yeah, that's probably the biggest thing. And yeah, as I said, if anyone's getting into it, try not to fall into that trap. But it sort of comes back like fishing for cod for all those years like i sort of had that experience and that's why i went back to fishing that way like the yeah. old man sort of gave me the the tap on the shoulder and suggested but i had that experience fishing that way and i could sort of implement that with the live scope so it would be interesting to see like guys that are sort of just coming straight into the live scope and haven't done a lot of fishing over the years and don't have that experience how they go with it um, i know a lot of people are sort of getting live technology and, and are finding it super frustrating because they can, they can find the fish and they'll just start chasing them around the, the dam and not actually catch anything and yeah and don't like it. So it's, yeah, it, it's, I don't know. The live stuff, it, there's been plenty of debate about it. <laughs> I'd say you've seen a fair bit, especially yeah. on the socials and stuff. I haven't really got into it, but it's, yeah, it's pretty interesting. It, it, it definitely doesn't make it, it definitely doesn't make you catch fish. Um, a lot of people no. think it just makes it super easy, but it's, yeah, it's, a, it's still, still a tough gig. Yeah, and it's weird, and it's going to be a topic of conversation. Like I just did a um, episode with Josh Reed. Um, it'll actually mm-hmm. come out after this one, so this one will come out in the next couple of days, and then for you guys listening to this one, the next one will be with Josh Reed. Um, we didn't really talk about it at all, but then we did touch on it at the end, and I feel like it's going to be a topic of conversation. And I'm sorry if you guys are listening and you're sick of me talking about it, but it's going to be something we're going to keep talking about because even if you don't have it, you can learn so much from it. Um, so whenever I talk to people. Uh, who fish with it, um, which I do quite a bit. I'll, I'll ask them their opinions. But yeah, it's it's interesting. What I like is the fact that you went back to the way you were fishing before and just used it in addition to that. And I still don't think I've done that properly yet. Um, and it's so... So basically what Jacko is saying, guys, and I'm agreeing with him is don't be drawn to just casting at the fish that you can see. Use what you know use exactly what Jacko just said, fishing those fish that are active and we can both vouch for the fish out wide and deep are much harder to catch. So I like how you've implemented it into what you used to do and that's the way I would fish too. Um, and I fished the last two sessions at blaring like that, fished up shallow, looking for them. Didn't really work out for the morning session, but yeah. <laughs> Have you found, actually on that, we, um, we found one the other night he was hugging the bottom right and he was in four meters. It was a night session. So that's the other thing too. This year, since I've had the young fella, the wife still works. So I haven't been able to do morning sessions. So I've actually been doing Arvo night sessions and it's completely different to morning. Like that morning, I just love that bite window. So I'm finding them in that. I usually, the year before, we didn't catch many until that 11 o'clock and later period. Like that's when they really pushed up shallow that I find there was this one bank they wouldn't be on until 11, like at night, p.m. Um, and then we'd fish that and then the morning session. But anyway, so I'm fishing earlier in the nights now. But we found one sitting on a bank. He was sitting in that four to three meters, but he was on the bottom. He was real hard to see. And I don't know how we actually knew that. So if I see a, a lump or a shape or something on the bottom and it's too blended in, I will just pretend it's a carp and keep going because there's too many of them in blaring. And they all... They don't all hug the bottom, but a lot of them sit on the bottom at night to hide. So, it's just not worth it. So, this one, I think he was under the boat and we could see, I could see his peck fins. Anyway, we got blown around all night and over the space of 30 minutes or 20 minutes, we kept finding this lump and I'm like, it's got to be him. 
And he followed from the bottom. He followed a plastic to the boat twice. So he was on it. But you know when they're not committing, they're like... And he come yep. right up and he sat, ver- he sat vertical after we'd pulled it out and sat there. And I would have been able to t- shine a torch on and see his eyes looking at us. Anyway, so he did that twice. And then that was with a plastic... Then we changed. I was like, try something else. Throw a swim bait. And the fellow I was with had never caught a big cod. He'd never caught a cod out of a dam. So, chuck a swim bait at him. Um, so, we got this swim bait down onto his head and it got down to him, rolled it past him and the cod didn't let it pass and he smacked it. So, he had the plastic go past him that many times. He followed the plastic twice. Then he just smacked his swim bait. We ended up dropping him. It would have been a meter odd. But then... On the flip side, I've had it happen the other way around. They'll follow swim baits and then they'll just smack a plastic. Like they're just funny, mm. aren't they? Yep. You found that? Yeah, yeah. That's pretty cool. I haven't had I haven't had many like that where you sort of if you don't get them that first or second time, they sort of. I don't think I've had any that really have come back and done that. Sort of eaten after. What eating something else or eating after? Yeah, I, yeah. I haven't really tried it too much. That's probably one thing I should give a bit more of a go is actually switch baiting if they don't sort of show too much interest in the one like, a, like yeah. you're saying with a swim bait and then quickly give him the plastic option well what's um, an average what's an average so for me I've had some nights we've only seen one or two cod and then I've had other nights on the same bait the week later we saw about 16 meters like crazy what's an yeah. average for you for a night session or for your morning window session like what's are you seeing like you said you might see between like 4 or 10 or something like that yeah or? Yeah, sort of. I find they like they kick around in packs, eh? So I'll normally have three three banks like for the morning that I'll that I want to fish or that I've got to have like an A, B, and C. And I'll go yeah. straight to the A, drop the live scope, and if I go along there for sort of fifteen minutes and don't see a fish, I go, oh, they're not here. So I'll quickly pack it up, make yeah. the shoot to B, and then generally I'll find like what you'll get to one one of those banks and there'll be like half a dozen at least you'll find them like you'll just start seeing the fish yeah. and yeah I, like i don't i don't know why but yeah they're just not it's always on that thing. same bank yeah be, have you noticed it to do with bait or have you also noticed them not on banks where the bait is i think no i found it um at the moment there's just so much bait everywhere so like you'll ah. see the like you see the bait and you think yeah they're going to be here and then they're just and they're, they're not. just not there so you just got to make the call to go to the next spot um that's one one area where I think it really helps because if they're not there, they're not there. So you could just burn. If you didn't have it, you'd think, oh, it looks so good because there's, there's bait. bait. Because mm. there's bait everywhere, but there's just no cod there. So I think that's one thing that I, that I reckon they do is they really sort of get together in that pack mentality like like a pelagic fish and just cruise around and they could, yeah, who knows what bank they'll show up on. Like I know last year I've pretty much caught, I caught so many fish on the one bank. I just had one really good period, but... Yeah, this year I sort of yeah just mix it between like I have like as I said A B and C and a lot of the times they won't be on A B A or B but I'll find them on C type thing. So yeah, just got to mix that's it up. cool. And there's there's there doesn't seem to be any sort of trend to it or anything. Like there seems to nah. always be bait there, but yeah, it just depends where they want to go that morning. Yeah, I think they move around a shitload. Yeah, I found that this winter too. We found a couple of banks of full of bait felt good and they weren't there, and I'm like, this is weird. And then, but then we fish the same bank. Four nights in a row. The first one, we accidentally found it and I wanted to get past it. And I was like, we'll just lecky past it. And I found one and I'm like, right, we'll, we'll cast at it. And I'm like, we'll keep going. And then there's like the fourth fish. I'm like, these fish are getting in my way. And then I'm like, hang on, why don't we just stay here because this is where they are. So anyway, we found that bank. Next time we come back, we found a bunch on it. Next time, 
Um, I found, I think we counted 15 on it for like two hours. We didn't, we caught that meter 20. This is the night I caught the meter 20 at Blaren. Only like yep. three weeks ago. Yeah. Me mate pushed off. Me mate pushed off and I'm busy doing something. I was changing lures or whatever. And he's like, there's one here, like at the back of the boat. It's like a meter 20. I'm like, you sure it's not the same fish? He's like, maybe. And then he scanned. He's like, hang on, there's another one there. We stayed in the same spot. They were there. They were everywhere. Like, yeah. and then I went back there the next Thursday night, not a single fish, gone, yeah. all of them yeah. gone. And I'm like, where have you gone and why have you moved? So it's just, yeah, it's crazy. And that yeah. almost sometimes doesn't, it, it can, it can get frustrating, especially if you, you're new to it, um, trying to line fish up, trying to read it, trying to use it, but it can even question. That's what I mean. It's almost like, I'm like, ah, righto, why, where are you now? Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's no rules yeah. sometimes to what they do. There are yeah. rules. There's the whole, you know, movements in dams, bait points, gullies, you know, that we've got our, our rules, but then there's definitely times. And it's just, they'll be back there one night, but also levels change it too for fish. Like, as that level moves a little bit, they'll switch yeah. off and move to a different spot as the river or the lake's going up or down. And yeah, anyway, yeah. They're, they're, they're a funny fish. How do you um, how do you reckon how do you reckon it's going to change fishing for them over the years with this live tech? Do you reckon it's going to really change fisheries? I think my way like how you change. approach them. Yeah, you mean like us? How we approach them in five years' time once they've all been seen lures? Is that what you mean? Yeah, yeah. I just think yeah, like with the pressure type thing because if you think about it, like before this live stuff, fish. How often would a fish see a lure go past its face? But now yeah. that we've got this lot, like everyone's getting it. Like, it, like it's just going to be normal in the next few years. Like every time you get it, like when you get it sounded, it'll just come with it. So, yeah, they're going to see so many lures go past their face. Scary. It's going to make it. Yeah, it's going to make it interesting how it changes fisheries. And well, personally, I reckon you're going to have to really be on top of it and just try and figure out different stuff, like different ways to approach them and different lures, different ways to fish them to try and get them to commit because. They're going to get sick of seeing gigantrails and stuff like that just come past their, <laughs> their nose every day. I reckon. I reckon it's scary. Um, and we already know how hard they are to catch. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. they're already using it and it's hard to catch. But like you said, they're seeing it already and they're ignoring things. So, how much are they going to ignore them in three or four years' time? It's yeah. pretty scary. And even for me, I reckon the best playing field for that for watching it happen will be Mawala. Um yep. because those fish have seen a lot of lures. Um Jack's caught the same meter fourteen three times. Yeah, well he's not learning. <laughs> this winter this winter <laughs> he's caught the same meter fourteen. That's pretty crazy. Three times. Yeah. He caught him twice and he sent me two photos. He's like he's got like a video of his phone on the computer. He's like, here's this fishy from May and does he look familiar? And then I got another text the other day. I um, caught that 114 again. Different spot, yeah. like a couple hundred yeah. meters from where it was. Um, they've caught the same. He's caught him and a mate have caught the same meter 23, about a <laughs> K, a kilometer from where it was. Um, yeah, so that fish wasn't learning and it was caught on one lure, but then it ate the same lure that's two. Time two and yeah, time right. three. Time maybe, two. Yeah, well, maybe, maybe they won't learn. They'll just well, keep, maybe it's just that baits. one. <laughs> well, they've got to keep but, eating, right? But yeah, that's the they thing. Know, they've got to know. They've got to know that it's not real. And one thing I want to try is putting 
and I know I'm not a bait fisherman at all, but those fish that completely ignore your lure, I want to throw a bait at them like a yabby and like hop a yeah. yabby and see if they'll eat it. And I still reckon a lot will ignore it because they're not actively feeding. You know what I mean? Yep. But then yep. the ones that are active, that are up shallow feeding, that don't eat your lure, do they know that it's not real? Like, you know what I mean? Yep. Are the ones out wide full-on not eating? Whether it's food, whether it's not food, are they not eating? Okay, so this... I reckon I've mentioned this a couple of times, so people might be hearing me repeat this. Did I talk about it? Anyway, I'm going to talk about it anyway. So, if you guys have heard this, I'm sorry. Um, I don't know if I talked about it with... No, I think I talked about it in a live Q&A, so you guys might not hear this. Anyway, what happened was we were chasing this fish at Blaring, right? He was big bopper, meter, meter 20, meter 25, I reckon. We followed yep. him for an hour, a full hour. He followed our plastic six times in an hour, but we cast at him. You can imagine how many cast two blokes can get at mm. one fish in an hour. <laughs> we followed him the whole time, never really lost him. He cruised across a whole arm, like he cruised straight across the whole arm. We were in like 25 meters, but he was like two meters under the top, still cruised, took us over to this other bank. Get this right though, this is where it gets good. He followed us six times. The best follow we got was when the lure was tangled and flicking around like a helicopter. Because <laughs> I cast to him at 25 meters down in five meters and I started whining and he followed, he turned. I'm like, he's on it, he's on it. And I'm like, because I was so concentrated on him following, I'm like, man, this lure is really hard to reel. Like as I got halfway through, tried to pick up the pace, I was like, something's not right with my reel <laughs> or my rod or something. But he was full nose on it. So the line had gone around the back hook on the Fury and it was full spinning. He followed it yep. right to the boat, never ate. And he'd do a lot of this. Like he was up and down and he was like, he'd drop down, he'd come up. He'd, this is Blair and Fish and he's dropping down and coming up. After 45 minutes, we watched him eat a carp. <laughs> yeah. He did not yeah. follow again. And we nailed yeah. the cast for the next 15. So, we made, I gave up after 50 minutes. I was like, I'm done. And he's like, nah, we need to get one more on his nose and see if he'll look just to see like how he's reacted. And we got like three or four more perfect casts. And nah, he's changed his mannerisms. He went real slow. He went back to the bottom, sort of was real slow swimming, whereas before yeah. he was moving around real quick. But he wasn't a bottom fish. He was like a... But like I said, every fish in different waterways i think they behave differently i think those blaring fish act so much differently to the juck fish um but he was swimming around he was looking for food but that was a weird one so my question to you was there's these two types of fish you got the ones out wide not feeding i don't reckon they feed at all then you got the ones up shallow that feed if they ignore your lure they know it's not real but they're still hungry then this fish was different because he was hungry so did he know the lure was not real you know what i mean yeah. And the other yeah. thing, the other thing, he didn't follow the lure unless it was on his nose, like right above his head. Like he had to run it close for him to turn and look. If it was two yep. meters away, if it was a meter off the side, like if they weren't lined up in the beam, like if the lure was there and you'd scan and see lure fish, he wouldn't look at it. The carp, he spotted the carp. You could see his behavior change. The carp come down from up high and I reckon the carp was still three and a half meters above him and off. No, he was in the, in the beam. So, he was three and a half meters above him and the cod lit up and started going vertical real slow yeah. and the carp come down and the carp went to get him and the carp darted like straight horizontal. <laughs> the cod chased him and then chased him to the bottom and I didn't actually see yeah. him eat it but the carp hit the bottom, the cod hit the bottom and then yeah, he sort of just lifted up. Yeah. And it, so, so, he knew. He knew from a mile off that it was food. So, do you reckon yep. they just they just know 
They've yeah, it's... I yeah, I reckon they sort of pick up something's not right. Those ones that that are feeding, but they won't eat your lure. I just think your cast might have been wrong. You might have casted it too close, and the lure splashes sort of spooked him or something like that. And they sort of just, I reckon they just know that it's not right, and then you can just keep trying and trying and trying, and they just won't do it. But when something actually is legit, then and they know. Um, yeah, it's, it's a tough one. <laughs> it's pretty. Would you cool reckon story, the ones but... that eat? Would you reckon the ones that eat are that hungry? They're not thinking to like they're not thinking enough. You know what I mean? Because really, does yeah. a swim bait really represent a carp or a redfin? Like it doesn't. Like you put them yeah. side by side in the water, they swim different. A ready swims different and would emit a different action. Like they smell, they have. You know what I mean? Like live. Yeah. If you look at salt water, a live bait is so much different to a lure. Like. I know Talus fishes with his old man, and I've probably talked about this. You might have heard this. And his yeah, old man hops this. yabbies. His old man hops yabbies down the banks for the yellows. He catches yeah. ten, 10 to 1 every season, every session. Talus will get two. He'll get like 16. But yeah. Talus just hates using bait, so he keeps using plackies and that. The gulps, the gulp grubs outfish so many other lures. Is that a scent thing? Like, yeah. what's... I reckon, reckon the with the cod, catch? I reckon they just get in that feeding frenzy. I like to, like, you know, how, like, deer go into the rut and sort of, like, all year they can be so cunning yep. and you can't get close to them. But when they're sort of in that, that rut stage, they can go mental and blokes can call yeah. them into 10 metres because they just yep. lose that sense of security. And I just yep. reckon those cod, once they get in that feeding frenzy, they just can't control themselves and just start smashing stuff. And then everything yeah. that sort of comes into their zone, they just get so, yeah, so, so into it. that it's food. Yeah. They lose that sort of, yeah, that, that sense of security that they always have. Like, yeah. I, as I said, said earlier, like, I've had fish eat it right at the boat, but you can tell that they're just so keen on that lure because they're just cruising in behind it. And, like, you just know they're sort of going to eat. Whereas yeah. the ones... The ones, the ones that know, you, you know straight away. Like they know that something's up because they're just not sort of keen. They're just moseying behind it. But yeah, once when they're in that feeding stage, like I've seen, I've caught caught one that sort of I seen him eat a crucian carp, and then I casted straight at him, and he comes straight up and ate it straight after he ate the crucian carp. So Did he, he have a carp in his gob, or was it gone? Yeah, I, I actually had a photo. I put a photo off of it on my Instagram. The carp was still down his throat. Yeah. So, that's but cool as. Like when they're, when they're in that feeding stage, if you can get that cast right, like I've had a fair few times now where you don't land it right on the head, but you sort of land it in that vicinity and it's like yeah. a, a carp splashing. Some of the times I've had, because they're just in that feeding stage, you'll be looking like, where's the cast land? As soon as the cast lands, you just see the fish shoot up and the, the reel's still in free spool and the fish is already on. Like they just come up and <laughs> smash it straight away because they're just such yeah. in that feeding mood. And I had that last season without it as well. Like so many times I'd cast in and that lure splash must be a reaction for them because obviously the, the carp and all the baits sort of on the surface. And if you get that cast right, so it's not too close, but it's just like subtle enough that they think it's something jumping. So many times I caught fish from just casting in and just letting it sit there for two seconds and bang, I was on. So, it's but pretty a lot cool, of the times, If you get it right on their head, like with a big lure, you can spook, spook. them. So it's sort of... It's like a bit of a fine line you've got to sort of judge and that's where like using different lures comes in. Like if you landed, the fish is up shallow and you land a 10-inch mag rough on his head, he, most of the time he doesn't really like it. So you like to get the splash close-ish, like three or four metres from the fish, do you? 
Yeah, if they if if I know they're right up there and they're pretty keen, especially on the lighter lures like gantrels and stuff like that, works really yep. well. Yeah, I found ganiers. Um, it's yep. not a, yeah, it's not like a massive ten meter bomb coming in from a, from a person. <laughs> it's sort of just it's nice and subtle. It's pretty it's pretty similar to a, a to a bait fish sort of just splashing. And also like yep. you can cut like cast different ways. Like be real real subtle with your casting. Like just don't lob it up heaps high in the air and let it just come down with heaps of force like skim it out there and yeah it's you can um you, learn. you can control the how lure lands quite you'd know exactly what i'm talking about and for people who are new to fishing it's probably confuse them but you can actually control with your cast and then towards the end of the cast how you control the lure and, and land it you can actually make it quite soft hey eh? like the yeah way you, you can cast. sort of fe- if you feather your spool on your bay cast so you can get it to land and then like a pillow on that water yeah, yeah, so that's another technique. But Hockey said to me this season, as it's got longer in the season, they've become very splash-shy at Mawala. So it's already, going back to your original question, it's already started happening. Like he's having to piff them 20, no, not 20, but 10 metres plus, like a full cast past them, and he's like 16 metres from the fish. He has to get it as yeah. far away as he can and then burn it in because they're spooking already. Like they're not... Yeah. They've already, they know what's going on. So, yeah, back to your question because I don't even think I answered it. Where is it going to go? I don't know. It's a bit scary. Um, and it's scary that we're going to have to be so, well, not so reliant because we, we'll still be able to go out there and catch them without it. Like people, if you guys are listening and you don't have it, it doesn't mean you can't go fish like we used to. Like you're still going to catch fish. But, yeah, they're going to become, I don't know, do you reckon we'll catch just as many or do you reckon it'll it'll become a lot harder and only the people who really, really put the time in, really use different lures different techniques to get them or really timing their sessions bang on with weather and that i, I think it i'm scared to see what happens in our major yeah. anyway yeah like yeah, yeah the guys that are putting in the time on the water will obviously work it out quick at everyone else and they'll catch the majority of the fish but like as you said they are still got to eat and there's going to be more and more cod going in the future like there's so many of these, like so many big fish out there these days, and there's just more and more coming, which is a good thing. So, yeah, like it's, I don't maybe know, it won't it's be inter- that bad. It's interesting. Yeah, mm. it's interesting. It's it'll change. I think you got to be proactive. I reckon, Look, like the guys that are proactive, and getting out there and trying different stuff, as you said, fishing those those prime times, fishing when other people aren't. Yeah. Um, I reckon they'll they'll be at the forefront of it, and they'll sort of smack clean up a bit. It happens like it happens with everything like winning me with the yellow yellow belly fishing and stuff like that like there's always a new lure and the guys that are out there and unlock it first well just clean up and then it's sort is, of... yeah okay yeah and Windermere is probably a good example because it gets that much pressure that those fish probably already think they're being chased with a live <laughs> you yeah. know what i mean like i know yeah. they haven't but that many boats and that many lures have been fished in there over the last decade and yeah. what's the process it's gone through? It's gone through having to adapt and use different lures, hasn't it? And you've still been yeah. able to clean up there if you're using the right gear. But I think cod are a different fish. Um, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, they're a bit, bit more switched on, I think. Yeah, but I don't know. They're right. still they're still going to eat. So like I know a lot of people are sort of a bit negative on the whole thing and think it's going to change the way, um, really change, like, and have a real negative impact on it. But... Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I could, but yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely an interesting interesting thing I've thought about. 
Yeah, well, when you first asked the question, I was like, yeah, it's going to be scary. But then again, just talking with you now, maybe it won't. Because, you know, a, f- a five-year-old cod now in 10, once it's 10, could be a meter and it was only like 50 before, you know. Yeah. And there's a lot of fish in there. There's a lot of fish. And I'll go up and fish Blairy. I'll do a night session. And the other night, we couldn't find them. Not a single fit or one fish saw our lure. You know what I mean? Like, there's a big, yeah. big bit of water. Um, I think some places, I think Moala will be the, the benchmark to see how things change. But they've got to eat and they've got to eat a lot. And if the ones that have got it, you know, when they've got to eat and they're in that feeding frenzy, um, if they're in, if that's when we get them, like you know how you're saying, if they're the ones you catch when they go into that frenzy, maybe they they forever will not know that it's not real. You know what I mean? It's yep. maybe just those in-between fish. So, put them in the three columns. You've got the ones that are never going to bite. Then you've got the ones in between, which are the ones that annoy us on the live because they follow and don't really commit. And then you've got the ones that eat. So, when they're in that feed... And all the fish do all three. You know what I mean? It's not like yep. they're those fish. Those fish tomorrow morning will be that fish over here. So, the fish that aren't feeding will be the feeding fish. And then when they're in that pocket and that window and you get them, maybe they'll continue to keep eating the same thing. Trout will eat flies flat out because it's the same food. But I guess they're, when you're with a fly, you're bang on representing what they're eating. So, they're going to keep mm. eating. Whereas these, we cannot completely represent. What's your thoughts on. I had this conversation the other day, and I know Dan mentioned it too. I was thinking that other. Actually, we both, we were, we were fishing together when we thought of this. You know, leader, right? And leader for natives. Like, you would downsize our leader for yellows. We downsize our, well, not with really, with cod. And we, cod, cod we see as a more intelligent fish than yellows, right? We target them in the low light periods. We're using heavy leader. Do you think that the leader and the reason they may spook is because the leader they can see? Like, I'm thinking, do we need to try and downsize our leader? If we're going to catch them, I'm talking daylight periods now. But do you reckon they can sense the leader? I've actually thought of this. Because a golden perch, right? Chase and a lure. What is the difference between 8 and 10 pound or 8 and 12 pound? Now, me personally, I've seen a massive difference in blaring from 8 to 12, plant, from 8 to 12 pound when catching them, right? In blaring, it's got to be something to do with the clarity, you'd think. Like you'd, initially, I think and still do think it's got to be the clarity because you could use 12 pan in dirty water and catch them. But is it the fact that they can see the leader or is it the presence of the leader, which is something we talked about the other night? Like I reckon some of these fish, these cod, can actually sense that leader running through. They can, mm. they can sense the leader that's there and maybe the goldens can too at times. I know goldens aren't a smarter fish, but I reckon when you downsize your leader... Not only do you reduce the visibility, but even in the night, I reckon you reduce the friction of the leader in the water. You ever thought of that? Yeah, uh, not really. You've actually—that's got me thinking. Good point, but um, yeah, like if you're using fifty-pound leader, it, they could definitely sense it. Especially like you think about it with the live stuff when you're casting five, ten meters past them, and you get it nearly down to their level. Yeah. That line, if you're in the same beam, that line's only going to be sort of—it's just going to be just above them. And making movement in the water, so yeah, it's that's a good point actually. Something and to think they about. They could sense it. Yeah. I don't think I don't think leader size matters too much in the in the visibility sense. Yeah, I don't like. Ex- that's what I thought. Especially the way, especially the way we fish from now with the live stuff, where you normally get that look in line with them and pass them, like you get the look closer to the boat. So a lot of the time they're coming from behind the lure, so they. 
I don't think they'd really see that see mm. that leader. But the sensing thing, yeah, that's a big one. That's what um, I reckon, and I want because wanna... they are like they know, yeah, they know. They know stuff's in their their zone. Like I've had so many fish come up just for like a little swim bait. They'll they know it's five meters above their head, and like that oh, swim bait doesn't make a great deal of noise or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want I I wonder if they can actually see the lure way up there, or if they can just sense it through their lateral lateral lines. And, and if stuff. they can sense that, what else can they sense? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, your, your leader knot, you can see really point, on the actually. live. Like, you can see your lead yep. knot and you can see the bubbles it creates sometimes. So, if it's doing that on that, what can they feel? Like, it's something something I've racked my brain around about why we downsize and why 8 and 12 make such a difference on the yellows. Like, do the yellows sense it as well? Like, can they sense this, mm. this vibration, the friction from 12 pound getting whipped through the water and they know it's not like I'm talking about spooky yellows. So, it's just something, yeah, yeah I don't know how we... I don't know how you explore it more. I guess it's just something you talk about, but it's a hard one because you can't. Yeah, you, it's not like a lure. Yeah, you can't go super light either. <laughs> you can't just go start running six pound for, for cod. cod. Yeah, you can't. What's the lightest you go? I used to use thirty in the day at Blaring. Um, pretty light. I think you could go light, like on the braid front, like. But see, does the braid really yeah. matter? Like the braid's yeah, that like, far from them, and it's that thin anyway. Yeah, but I'm just thinking if you're casting like a fairway pass the fish and ripping it back to them, how like that that line's going to be above the fish as well. Yeah. So say like as you said, Hocko was having to cast 10, 15 meters minimum past the fish, and then sort of letting it get. Well, the line's still going to be above the fish, so yeah. if you've got a heavier line, they could they could sense that it's above them type thing. It's an interesting um, thought. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> That, that might be something that we might have to do years to come, start running 10-pound braid. Well, that's, that's why I got onto it. It's just, yeah. just another thing of maybe what will happen down the track, you know. You yeah. know. Well, that's the type of stuff I reckon that people that will start doing stuff like that, there's heaps of different things you can do. But people that are yeah, at the forefront of movements like that, they're going to be the ones that really capitalise and catch, catch the most fish. Mm, it's interesting. I love how these combos just go anywhere. Um... I've got a couple more questions there that aren't live related, but I've got two that I reckon I'm going to ask everyone on the podcast about live tech. Two questions. They're pretty solid questions. Um, I don't know how you're going to like answering them. I hit Josh up with it and he's like, yeah, righto. They're two tough questions. So first one is, do you prefer to catch a fish with or without? So if you could pick a scenario Catching a cod, meter cod, would you prefer to catch the meter cod using it or not using it? Right? That's the first question. Second question is, do you like the world we've got now with it? Because the world and our fishing, how fishing is changes so much. So, would you prefer it to not be here and we all go back to how we used to fish? Or do you like that it's here? Do you prefer it now? There's those two questions. Um, yeah. The first one, I'd rather... That's a good question. I was actually going to bring this up before <laughs> without you asking it. But yeah, the first question, I'd I'd probably rather just catch one not knowing the fish is there. It's cool. Like, yeah. Don't get me wrong, it's pretty sick watching them come cruise in from 10 metres away and smash your swim bait and you sort of know what's happening. You can The person you're in the boat with, you can say, here he comes, here he comes, he's about to eat it, bang, you got him. It's pretty yeah. sick. But yeah, that sort of, when you're just blind casting for hours on hours 
and then all of a sudden you just get absolutely smashed and you've yeah you got no like you're picking your undies out of your ass or something <laughs> you, you're holding the rod <laughs> holding the rod with one hand uh, <laughs> it's sort of, yeah, it, you, you'll never beat that um and then the second part of the question i'd i'd prefer it to go back to sort of no sounders to be honest i don't know nice. like i i i've got it no all sounders now. at all or just oh, yeah. back to normal I, like, I used to fish without a sounder. Like, I'm pretty useless, and a lot of the time the sounder wouldn't work, so I just wouldn't even bother. I'd just fish without it. Um, yeah. The only thing I used to ever use a sounder for was depth, depth. really. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, yeah, I'd I'd prefer to sort of go back, but, you, yeah, we've just got to it embrace it. Like, it technology's not going to slow down. It's only going to get better, so it's scary what it's going to get to. Um, yeah. Like, everyone's sort of saying, like, side scan back, 10 years ago was unbelievable. Like everyone just wanted to have side scan and now that's live sight. So it's going to be, who knows what's next, but yeah, yeah. Um, I'd, I'd go back. Like even fishing it. Like, Do you feel pressure now, now to use it? Do you feel like you have to use it? Otherwise you're going to fall behind. Is that why you use it? Uh, that's my, you know what I mean? Like I, you're yeah. answering a question of, I'd like to go back. You can go back yourself as a person fishing right now. You can. Yeah. But I know the question yeah. was, would you like us all to go back so that we're all just casting? But now, do you feel, not pressured, but yeah, you know what I mean? It's a tough one, eh? Yeah. Yeah. Not pressured. Like, it's definitely beneficial to have it for your fishing. Um, yeah. And it's there, so I'm going to use it. But yeah. Yeah. Like, it's not, yeah, I don't feel like. Yeah, that's a tough one. It's a that tough one. one. No, that's good. I'll, yeah, I'll I, but I sort of don't like after fishing for fishing with it hard for twelve months. It sort of like it. It makes me now like next season I want to go fish the rivers and stuff like that, and just walk rivers and kayak fish and yeah. stuff like that. Like it sort of get over it a bit. Yeah, I don't know if that's just because of your shoulders, like the back yeah, of your, yeah. Neck <laughs> your shoulders. Yeah, it sort of takes. I don't know. It sort of takes a bit away from the whole adventure fishing. i guess of going out there of that grind for cod fishing um yeah i don't know I, I don't know if it's because i've fished like the last three seasons i've sort of spent so many hours out on impoundments fishing for cod i want to go back to sort of the roots and chase river fish and stuff like that again or if it's that's good yeah i, I don't know it's sort of it's an interesting one I, yeah i'm definitely not a full lover of it but it's definitely yeah. beneficial so does a meter so. 10 now get you as excited as one did three years ago probably not no no and but that, i don't think disappointed that's disappointed in that or not really i think it's more like not trying to pump my own tires up but it's more because i've caught a like few a, a fair few that size now so it's sort of yeah i just don't get that buzz anymore like i went fishing down the river at home oh, a few months ago and just caught a couple on top water and stuff. And they were only like 60, 65 centimetre fish. And I was buzzing. And then I went out the next week and like caught a metre. And it sort of doesn't, yeah. It, I wasn't, didn't have the same buzz as what I caught, got when I got the fish off the surface in the river. And it was only 60 centimetres. So, yeah, it's kind of, I guess it's just you sort of always want what you you can't ha- don't have at the time or can't have. So, yeah. I don't know. I like uh, when it. I used to li- yeah. When I used to live in Newcastle, all I ever wanted to do was go cod fishing. And now that I live back in Bath, I've been smashing cod fishing out for so long. I like see the sea mates and stuff up at Newey, like catching big flathead and jewies and stuff. Like shit, I'd love to go catch, <laughs> go saltwater fishing. So I don't know. It's yeah, it's, it's definitely. Yeah, you know what I love. You know what I like about your answer is that 
fishing and you already know it and I guess your answer to that was you're not forced to use it. You're definitely not but it is does make a big difference to your fishing with catching cod. But I love your answer on the fact that fishing is fishing. Like you were talking about catching a 60 centimeter cod on top and that was your decision and you get a buzz out of that so you can go do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. if, if, if chasing big cod with your stuff is not for you then you're still fishing. Like that's what is awesome about fishing. There's no right and there's no wrong. There's no technique you have to do. So... You don't have to have this tech. You can fish without it. Us talking about how the fish behave with it is going to be super beneficial to someone who doesn't have it, even just talking about how these fish behave. But that's the awesome thing about fishing, yeah. which I reckon we'll never lose, even as technology goes. You can, yeah. if you're happy catching carp off the bank with your kids, you know, that's awesome. Yeah, buddy. So. I get it all the time. Like I just on Instagram stuff, you just see everyone catching different stuff you're like oh shit i'd love to go do that or <laughs> there's so many like yeah, i could do anything go catch whiting on poppers or catch what's the next on one what's one you'd really love to go do it's at, like the top of your list at the minute that's not cod uh i want to do some remote bass i want to start doing more like three-day kayak trips from point a to b and for bass like, or for cod as well yeah anything like bass cod cod in the rivers back home um Go I want to go adventures. down to Murray, like do like the Murray mm. stuff that like Colby and Lubin have been doing. That that's pretty awesome. Not just the fishing, just getting out, getting out outdoors and yeah. sort of doing that like big long camping style. I reckon um, that's the pinnacle. I reckon that is the pinnacle of cod fishing. Rivers, big lures, camping at night, not fishing in the dark. You know what I mean? Like when yeah. Hocko and I did the four days down there, it was awesome because by the time the sun was down we're like right let's go like because we get enough of the dark at home like on yep. the dams i'm like right i camp sit around the campfire have a feed it was just the best sit there look at the stars go to bed and then get up normal time and fish like during the day yeah. you got stuff to see just casting lures not even looking at tech like didn't even turn it on um yeah casting no, hard and cool. waiting for a hit from a big fish that was that's the go i reckon that's the yeah. go no you definitely it takes its toll doing those real early mornings and late nights through winter cod fishing. So. I reckon, yeah. Because you're getting old now. You're 28, remember? Yeah. <laughs> that's a body. No, that's why this time of year, I'm always, just, I'm always keen to start going yellow belly fishing again. Go yeah. out and just fish during the day, get on the beers in the Arvo, camp with the boys and stuff. I saw so, you already the, got a couple yellows that started. Yeah, I've done a couple of trips out, a couple of trips out of winter. It's definitely not firing yet, but... It shouldn't be too far off. It's still, still we're still early. getting really cold, cold nights at the moment, so water mm. temps are still really low. But yeah. no, that's the go. Cool. I think we've covered a fair bit. We've gone for a bit. Um, what other? I had a couple, um, a couple other questions for you, if you don't mind, before we pull the pin. Yeah, yeah. But this has been a good away. chat. Um, three. These are just short questions. What's your? This is live scope or not, or just from your experience for people. What are your three? If you could summarize your three biggest rules for chasing cod, just cod as a species, off the top of your head, what are the three? If you could share the three biggest rules for them as a fish for people who are new to the game or want to learn more. Can you think of three key things uh, for cod? Like about the fish. Well, no, three as an angler chasing them. What are three? rules or things about them or t ways you should fish them or you know what I mean like for example one yeah. for me would be like key bite periods morning and afternoon yeah that'd that'd be my number one is it would if you're gonna make Sorry. like cod fishing 
cod fishing's super hard at the best of times. So if you're going to make the effort to get out there and go fishing and tr- like really try and catch a fish, try and try like don't try and get to the boat ramp at eight o'clock in the morning. Get out there at you know four thirty before that first light and really have a crack because that's going to be your best chance of catching one. Yep. Second one would be try not to get all hyped up on locations from social media and stuff. Like a lot of people, so many people think you've got to drive however many thousand k's to go to Copeton to catch a cod when there's um, so many good fish accessible close to home. Yeah. Um, there's so like it's cod like there's so many impoundments these days with a great cod fishery. So I reckon if you're gonna yeah, if you want to start getting into cod fishing, try and find the closest dam close like close to you and then start putting the time in and learn that waterway and spend time on the water learning it and thinking oh, i've got to go somewhere far far away to catch catch them yep and third one um geez i don't know <laughs> that's all right we can leave it too yeah don't yeah just don't get too caught don't up. yeah get caught up into what Everyone says like you know like ten twenty with the barometric pressure ten twenty fish are plenty like if you look at you plan to go out one day or one morning or one weekend you see it's ten o five or something and the conditions aren't great don't let it um, cancel your trip like I, yeah just yeah. because people say that that's how you're going to catch them isn't how you're going to catch them what we're learning so much I've learned so much in the last twelve months by having this live stuff and I thought I knew a fair bit about them but yeah a lot of people. Like myself, I don't really know that much in, about the fish, and yeah. like even from tracking tracking data over the last few years on stuff like barometric pressure and that, like they show up whenever they want. Like I've caught, I reckon I've caught more fish on a low barometer than than one over ten twenty. So yeah, okay. Um, yeah, just try not to get too hyped up and just sort of go on your own path and do your own thing. Don't yeah, don't get too hyped up about what other people say. Nice, love it, good stuff. Sorry to put you on the spot there. Um, no, you're right. I don't know. I've made much sense, but yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, perfect. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, whatever comes out is good, and it was good. So the other thing is, uh, who in from f- fishing wise, who have you learnt the most from in your short? We'll say short fishing career, because I'm sure there'll be a lot more to it. Who have you learnt the most from? Either someone you've met and fished with, or you've followed their content and you've just taken from their content who it like who's the one cuz we've all learned from someone you can't say and you're not going to say you can't, you can I wouldn't interview someone who'd say oh myself um <laughs> but who who from who have you learned the most from and this could be someone you know and have fished with or someone you've just followed and never met it's another hard question oh probably like me old man sort of growing up he sort of got me into it and he would have definitely taught me the most like yeah. as I was growing up, um, so that's the best way. I love that. That's yeah, there's heaps of like just everyone, it, like every single person you go fishing with, you can you'll learn something off. So yeah, that's one thing to take away is whenever you hop in a boat with a different person, always try and pick something up that they do that you don't, because um, they'll definitely know something that you don't, and you can use it in your own fishing going forward. Um, yeah, I don't know. I've been lucky enough to fish with fair few different people over the years and yeah I've sort of just put it put a heap together from fishing with them and then I guess um, different content like 
uh, just heaps of different YouTube channels and stuff I follow. Yeah. Heap of different stuff. I watch content religiously. Even your stuff, Reese. I watch all your stuff in your membership. I always get something out of that. Like I watch your Tuesday. Tuesday um, weekly predictions. Yeah, I watch them every Tuesday. <laughs> nice. So I knew you watched yeah. them at the start, but I hadn't heard you from you for ages, so I wasn't sure if you still watched them because then, well, they're yeah. not repetitive, but they've got the same structure every week. Yeah, no, like that's the thing. Like I I sort of know most of the stuff you're going to say, but I still like to listen to it and there's always something I sort of pick up and something, opinion you throw out there or whatever and it yeah, gets my mind tweaking and, and thinking about it, so... Yeah, consume as much as you can, I guess. Um, not everyone's got the time to do it. But, yeah, I'd say one thing is just, yeah, any time you hop on the boat with another person is try and pick something up off them. Yeah, nice. Awesome. Did you end up, um, did you happen to watch that Murray film? You would have. Yeah, yeah, I did. I was really well put together. Do you like it? Yeah, no, it was really good. It was, it was actually good. Yeah, yeah. pretty class. It on, on the film in front was sick. And then yeah. those two fish you got. I thought your metery would have been, that would have just been the fish, but then when... Hocko nailed that one twenty at the end, which that was incredible. It was cool. Like, well, I didn't. We didn't share, so I did it on purpose. Um, we did not post. Ak and I both said we will not talk about the two fish. Um, and even the trailer, the original trailer before it came out, had no fish in it, just because all the members were waiting for it. So you would have known it was coming, and it was a good to watch, not knowing what was coming. Like yeah, no, it was pretty. It was good. Like as I said, like I thought that one that meter you got was sort of that was going to be it, which would still would have been awesome. But yeah, that that other one sort of really topped it off. How yeah, good was it? But that the filming was as it like, happened. Someone that likes filming and cameras and stuff like that, the filming that you put together was was really good at it. So thanks, cheers, mate. Yeah, well, I just I said to Jack when it all come together, I said, mate, you could not script it. Like if you had to write fish one act now. Fish to do what you need to do. Like, yeah, I couldn't have written it better and I was full scared the whole time because that was our plan. We had four days. Four days to catch a metery and I was full scared because it was the second last session and I'm like, this is not good. After I lost that big one because normally if you fish for four days you, and it was pretty good flows, Jack's like, we will get one chance at least. Like, we should get yeah. a couple of chances but he's like, we'll get one and I got one on the, that third fourth morning like session fourth session which was that morning and i missed it and i was not happy for that yeah, that I middle of that day i was not happy and jack's like yeah that was a good one so i saw you know how the camera doesn't capture it as well yeah, yeah i could i full seen him like full seen the fish roll and had a big belly on it and it full turn and that i lo- i went back and fished that section um when i went down camping with the family it was filthy you didn't get anything but i put the live pole in there because i had it then just to see how deep it was that log that i missed that one off it's five and a half meters under that log mm, that's pretty cool and he hits the surface lower. like yeah. when i looked at that i was like wow like there's two ledges so the ledge would he come off was a couple of meters, but then the ledge beside it dropped to five and a half meters, and the tree is massive underneath, and all you can see is the root mm. ball. But yeah, he was a big bopper, and then um, yeah, Hocko's won that last morning. It was opposite our camp. We had not fished that bank the whole weekend. <laughs> it's always a way. Yep, we burnt up and down all weekend, and we got out there a little bit earlier that morning and we were about we were planned to go back up again and because it was just that 15 minutes earlier than every other morning and we couldn't see i'm like i can't see anything i'm like why don't we just work this bank like we dead set had like a quick flick here the first arvo 
I was like, we'll just fish this. And it was the second last <laughs> log. Like, I, I don't know if you heard me say in the video, I'm like, you're ready to... I was like, I reckon we burn upstream in a, in a minute. We'll... And did you hear Hockey cast in the wrong spot? Did you hear him say that? Do you remember? He goes, he casts and he's like, oh, that is not where I wanted that. I'm like, really? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I didn't remember that. I was like, where'd you want it? <laughs> uh, like, up there. He's like, nah, like... And where he wanted it was like three, four, five meters upstream. And that was the cast. <laughs> you know, it's just crazy. Yeah. And that's bit, like I said, that's the pinnacle of fishing. Just casting. Yeah. And waiting for a what? Big um. Fish. What do you reckon? Do you reckon the live technology has a place down there? Uh no. No, you don't reckon it'll ever. You can see with it, but you mix yep. you mix current with a fish, you got nothing. Now, Jacko and I were just talking about the Murray River film. And if you're interested in it and you want to know where you can grab it, I just thought I'd share that with you quickly. It's available on our website, socialfishing.com.au. Jump on there and visit our store. So on our store, that's where we share all our online digital products. We've got the membership. We've also got all the Complete Guide series our rigs and knots um, tutorial series and there's also a rigging tutorial there as well but that is also where you will find the Murray River film. That film you do have to purchase but it is also available inside the SF membership. So if you want value for your dollar, subscribe to the membership, you'll get your maps, you'll get the reports, you'll get all the content that I talk about quite a lot all inside that membership plus you'll have access to that Murray River film. So if you're interested, I just wanted to share where you can access that. And if you have any more questions, if you've ever got any questions, you can always message me on any social media platform through our website or at admin at socialfishing.com.au. What about in the lower reaches where it's like in that pool? Oh, uh, yeah, what? that might be different. But I don't know. Yeah, that's scary if you can use it down there. But yeah, it should. If there's no flow, you can use it. Yep. But uh, because these fish are so structure orientated, but yet these big ones that we're catching, they're off the limbs. Like they're off the edges of the logs because they're in a feeding mood. So yep. whether you had it down there is different. In the current, if you scanned it right, by the time you scan it, you're better off just casting at it and the fish is going to eat it or not. You know what I mean? If he's hungry, he's going to eat. So you're just better off fishing and keep fishing yeah. until you find one. And it's just, I won't use it in rivers because of that fact of it's, I don't want to take away that anticipation yeah. in a yeah. river. Like me personally, I wouldn't use it. Current, I don't think it has a place at all. Uh, lower reaches, I can't see why it wouldn't. Um. Mm. So, yeah, you could maybe fish a swim bait down the front of a stick because you can see it and watch the fish come out and eat it. Yeah. Like, even if you can't see the fish, you can sort of... Work it. See work the, a different yeah, lure. Can, yeah. Yeah. I could have make fishing swim baits in that stuff a lot easier. Well, where we were, we had talked to a bloke on the Murray on that trip who was fishing near us and he'd caught a meter something the, more, the day I got the 104 on a swim bait in the river. Yeah, right, yeah. In the morning. Yeah, so that's something you don't see bait. much come out of there. No, like fishing, fishing a swim bait instead of a top water, like a foot under. Yeah, unweighted. Mm. Which was interesting because mm. it was clear, but it wasn't that clear. Like, well, it was pretty clear, but still, it's a interesting concept. Like, those fish must have some good sense, like, of what's around yeah. them. They really must yeah. know what's going on. So, yeah. Um. So, if you've got anything else for me, let me know. But one last two, two questions. Is there anyone, this is, can be fishing or life, but is anyone in life that you idolize or that you follow or you look up to? Anyone that you, yeah, you idolize 
or someone that you follow a lot and learn a lot from, whether it's life-related. It can be fishing as well. Um, um, I like to watch Carl Joachimson. I like his um, determination. Story. And what he's doing, yeah, just his whole story. I sort of I remember fishing across from him in, at Windermere. Really? Way back, yeah. Like at Windermere Classic and stuff like that. And to watch him sort of go from like I used to watch him like on the uh, AFC and stuff like that and then go take it over to America and really struggle over there. He's got a pretty cool story. Always follow him and try and watch him on Bass Live and stuff when he's competing in those Bassmaster events. Um, yeah, that's about it, I guess. Uh, listen to a few motivational speakers and stuff like that. Run a bit of Gary V every now and again. Yeah, I was hoping and that's what I wanted you to say. Well, not that I wanted <laughs> you to say him, but I was, was curious to see. You still listen to him? He's a good bloke. Yeah, yeah, I listen to him a fair bit. Um, so yeah, for people cool. listening, who's Gary V? Just because I would recommend anyone out there who loves that kind of stuff, he's well worth following. Gary Vaynerchuk, he's like, well, he owns like massive businesses, like media companies Vayner and stuff over in America. He owns, yeah. Yeah. So he's very well off, but he's uh, like a motivational speaker. So he does like um, stand-up stuff. What do you call that when he goes and does talks, motivational talks all around, yeah. all around, does all that type of stuff. But he's got like a daily podcast that he puts out and yeah, puts just a heap of different content on all the socials. Um, yeah. He's pretty good. To look. He's just got a good outlook on life. and He does. Yeah. I think he's you're very similar, actually, in terms of just mannerisms I reckon to him he's very just down to earth like yourself I yeah reckon. like he just yeah like I don't know he says stuff that you just think yeah like he's why he not resonates. doing that or yeah, yeah yeah that type of thing like yeah he's bang on but there's a few different people like that but yeah he's probably my favourite yeah so it's Gary Vaynerchuk guys check him out he's, he's got a few good books as well so does he I haven't read books, any of his yeah. books Um, last of all what about um, yourself, Reese? Has anyone hit you back with that one? Yeah, so I listened to the School of Greatness podcast by Lewis Howes, and yeah, he is that. good. He's good. So the people he gets on, he does a lot of research into the people he gets on, um, and so he just covers everything from health to life to relationships to business. Um, the health ones are really good just about the people he gets on and, and obviously he's interviewing people that um, study that stuff kind of to the depth that we study COD. They study whatever they're talking about. So you're learning from, you know, people who know what they're talking about and he's just got a real good way of interviewing and yeah, he's, he, him and the people he interviews is awesome. He just gets the right people on. So I love that podcast. I listen to that all the time. Yeah. But people... Um, one in particular that I like to follow a bit of um, is Tony Robbins stuff. I don't know. Yeah, if yeah he's Tony, pretty good. Tony Robbins. Yeah, he's just some of the stuff he says is just bang on. Um, he's just exactly similar to sort of Gary V in America. Actually, Tony's massive. Um, Gary's good. There's like there's one other in my probably the person I idolise the most. Um, in that I had since a kid, I read all his books and that was Richard Branson. He's just, yep. he's out, what he did, his story to get to where he was, was just incredible. He just did it because it was fun and 
it was something that, something not something to do, but he just had this determination to create and build and yeah, his story from his story is really cool. For people are interested in that kind of stuff, his his story to where he got is really awesome. So yeah, it's good yeah. to learn from. I like all that type of stuff, all that sort of business stuff, and just successful people doing cool cool stuff. Anything to do with that, like people coming from nothing and and yes. it doesn't matter what it is, like a business or um, anything like sport related. All yep. that type of stuff where they become really successful is pretty cool. Or just doing a milestone, like, I don't know, running a 1,000 miles and mm. they had nothing. Just all that type of stuff is pretty, pretty awesome, I reckon. Pretty well, motivational. And- yeah, and it's all about having sort of a goal as well to achieve and not just going through life. That's what the other thing it, it brings back. You know, you can go to work for a week, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks are gone, but you listen to that kind of stuff and you're like, hang on, what's the real purpose of being here kind of thing? Yep. And you can forget yeah. that sometimes. So this leads me to my last question, sort of thing, which is: Have you got for you now where you're at? Have you got any goals that you haven't achieved yet that you want to fishing and non-fishing? Like, what's what's your plan for the next ten years or so? So obviously, listening to that kind of stuff, it brings back you know these all these people have achieved something incredible. Have you got? And it's all because they had a dream, right? Yeah. Um, have you got any more goals fishing-wise that you want to achieve? But are there any non-fishing that you'd be keen to share? Um, Fishing-wise, not like nothing. Yeah, like Just extraordinary. Go catch some yeah, I can't. Yeah, like I kind of goals are sort of getting back to what I was like when I was younger. Sort of getting back to not being so much about the fishing, more about the adventure and hanging out with mates. Like yeah, I sort of touched on it earlier, but just fishing for cod for so long like i still love cod fishing like i'm not going to stop cod fishing but i'd like to sort of just get back out there and just fish with my mates and target different species and stuff so that's one goal with fishing i like doing like i make youtube videos here and there i like doing that so i'll keep doing that but there's no real no real goals to be some massive youtuber or be some professional fisherman or anything and like in that sense it's more just to keep enjoying fishing and yeah don't get too caught up in all the social media side of things just enjoy it for what it is start doing as i said more more trips like three day hikes into the middle of nowhere it's the fishing will be sick but it's everything that goes with it yeah to do stuff more stuff like that and yeah just fish with different people start getting getting out there a bit more with different people um life goals nothing yeah not like i'm pretty happy with where i am at the moment um yeah, I've got like a good, I've got a good job, got a, um, got a good girlfriend, just bought a house, so just nice. got a dog, so <laughs> you just got a dog. Sort of What'd you get? Ticking, ticking all the boxes, <laughs> but um, yeah, no, nah, sort of. Uh, a short-haired border collie, so nice. She's she's going to be my new fishing partner going forward. Yeah. She'll be on every trip. Yeah, good. How old but, is um, she? Uh, four months. Four months now. Oh, so. it's so tiny. So you still got a full puppy on your hands. Yeah, no, she's um, chewing everything and mm. causing havoc at the moment. But no, it's but all good. Last nearly two years, I got a border collie as well, and it took two yeah. years for her to stop doing that stuff. I don't know how many good yeah. pairs of shoes. And she didn't chew the whole shoe. She just chews the heel. She just yep. chewed the heel out and be like, "There you go. I'll chew the next heel." So it's like yeah. not usable. <laughs> Collies are good. Yeah. Collies are awesome dogs. Yeah, no, um, she's already like she's pretty good. But yeah, I've lost all my socks and all my slippers and everything already. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, cool. Um, 
but yeah, no, nah, nothing. Yeah, I'm pretty, pretty, pretty happy with how I'm going at the moment. So that's good. Hopefully, that's still... just keep, keep doing life. Yeah, so as I say, there's still plenty of time left. But that's the other thing for people listening. And I know we talk, I talk about fishing all the time. That's all. That's what. That's what the topic is. That's why you guys tune in. So we might be going a bit off topic here, but this is the kind of stuff I like to absorb and learn from others. But yeah, is that just remember, guys, there is a purpose to why we're here. Just think about that. Like, I know we get stuck with work and you know, you get stressed about things and you got to pay this and you got to do this and you got to do that. But don't forget, we're only here for so long. So go do the things you want to do. Like Jacko said, he's been smashing the big fish over late, but really a kayak trip trip for three days and an adventure. You know what I mean? Like you got to do those things before they get away from you. Um, Yeah, that's it. And like everyone's sort of purpose and purpose is like different situations. Like some people might, they might hate their job or whatever. And they just don't like how they're going, so you've got to make a change. Whereas, like they want to, some some people want to start a business and do all this stuff, but they sort of just get stuck in a a job where they don't, they can't sort of get out. Where it's probably better just to try and have a crack. Whereas, like myself, I'm sort of happy now where I'm at, yeah, with my job and stuff. Like I wasn't sort of when I was younger, like working in the mine stuff. I used to hate it, so I got out of there. And I always sort of wanted to start a business of some sort, but now I've sort of got to where I am now. I'm I'm pretty happy. But like yourself, like you're very inspirational in a way, especially in the fish, like people that want to do something in fishing or anything like that. Like you're a great example of actually having a crack. Like I know you had a you had a job, like a like a normal yeah. job, yeah. And you've gone out and you've had a crack and it's paid off, I reckon. Yeah, I thanks, mate. No, it has, buddy. I had the idea when I was. I'm actually going to do a podcast in the next couple of weeks um, with a few people. Um, they're going to interview me. Um, yeah, but yeah, no, I started, I come up with the idea for social fishing when I was 17, I'm now 27, launched the website when I was like 20 and then only just, so for those of you who are listening, this is now my full-time job as of when two days before my son was born and he's now 16 months. So I always remember how old or how long I've been doing it as a full-time thing for smack bang when COVID started. And you love it? Yes, great. So yeah. I have I have goals and I've still got massive goals for social fishing, right? I've got huge goals for it because I just want to help so many people. That's the whole point of it is I struggled to find info when I was younger. So I started it as it was just a website and a page and then I'm like, well, I'm struggling to keep up with everyone's questions and with content. So that's where I had to turn it into a business, um, which is obviously working because I'm able to create more and more and more content for people. Like you talked about, I create a video every single week for people and I have done, not missed one week since I started that, which is the whole point of it. But yeah, I um, the biggest goal was to not be locked down every day. You know what I mean? I just couldn't stand yep. doing something I didn't enjoy. And I tried to learn other things and do other things and I just keep going fishing. I'm like, well, I've got to do something with fishing. Like I've got to... Yeah. Do something with fishing. So, yeah, no, it's awesome. It's different running a business because you've obviously got to support your family and it's not a steady sort of like having a job. But trying to get time off, like booking in advance and having to deal with a boss that's going, no, you can't yep. have a day off that week. And, yeah, it's just it's just hard. So, now that now the best thing about it is I can I go to I sit on the computer most of the time, but I can go fish. But then... The other hard, the hard thing is fitting in in a weekend, fitting in family time and fishing. Whereas now I can fit yeah. in good family time with fishing 
as well as the work. So, no, it's great. It's good ass. Yeah. So, oh, it's awesome. No, it's, it's that's, good. That's the thing with my gig as well. I've got it pretty, I've got a real flexible job now, so I can sort of pull some strings and I can sort of do whatever I want. I get plenty of time off and yeah, that type of thing. So that's why I love it. It allows me to, I like my job, but it allows me plenty of time to do the stuff I love, play golf and go fishing. Yeah, which works well. And that's that's just the thing, guys, listening now. Uh, I know, yeah, the, the biggest, and I know we're talking about fishing, so I'm sorry we've diverted, but the biggest thing is just try and be happy. So this comes back to life. Try your best to be in a place, like Jacko said, enjoy what you do. Take the gamble on getting out of a job that makes you unhappy. I know that sounds hard, especially time of COVID, but do your best because being happy is more important than money. But then back to the fishing point of view, because that's what this podcast is about, is don't do something, or don't do a style of fishing if you don't want to do it. You don't have to follow people. It's about you. So you do the style of fishing that you like. And I know you're listening to this to learn and I'm all for learning because I learn in so many aspects and I love learning about fishing. And if you're going to go out there and fish... It, at the end of the day, like you were saying, it's about hanging out with mates and that. But if you did a trip for three days kayaking or say you went for three days to Copeton and you caught nothing and then you did a different trip somewhere else for three days and you smashed the fish because you knew what you were doing, that's going to be a better trip, isn't it? Like at the yeah. end of the day. And that's why we were talking in so much detail about how these fish behave because you guys are obviously here to learn. But whatever you obviously learn as much as you can and absorb that and use that in your fishing, but do the style of fishing that you want to do. Just remember that. Yeah. And so, yeah, that, that podcast you've done with Andy McGovern, that was a great listen. So if anyone hasn't listened to that one, I don't know what episode it was, but that was really cool. Listen to him and his perspective on fishing and, and just life was awesome. So yeah, I'm glad that, you that, that touches on. He just, he just does what he wants to do. Like loves his land based stuff. Okay. Like that. I know he caught that fish the other day, which was huge. Stupid. Yeah. Yeah. Like just like, like, it's just great to, yeah, he's a great person to look up or look into. And he does a lot of fishing, a massive yeah. amount of fishing, yeah, well, more absolutely. than both of us, well and truly. Like, yep. he he will fish every spare inch of his time. Um, most of my spare time I spend. What do you do in your spare time? I play a lot of golf these days. So I love sport, so I do. If I'm not watching sport, I'll try and play something. So Yeah. Golf, golf's taking a lot of my time at the moment. If I'm not, yeah, fishing, play soccer. Yeah. Um, but yeah, sort of hang out, take the dog for a walk as well yeah. at the moment. It's good, so. it's good. And that's what I mean, you do what you enjoy. See, Andy just loves loves his fishing, but that was his, yeah, like he said, his outlook on life's unreal. So that like, yeah. that is a good episode. And he, he kind of got on the talk and similar to what we're talking about now too. It wasn't just... Fishing related, there was a lot more behind it for him, um, a lot more purpose. Well, not a lot more purpose, but there is a real purpose behind why he fishes and why he does a certain style of fishing. Um, and yeah, I love incorporating this kind of stuff into the podcast. Gives a good platform for that. So if you guys enjoyed this episode, make sure you tag us on Instagram, put in your story and let us know or send us a message, both Jacko and I, if you like these kind of discussions because I only go off what everyone sends through info on on the topics, the species, this one kind of just went, any, went anywhere. I said that to you, Jacko, to just be a catch-up and goes wherever it goes. But, yeah, thanks for your, for your time. Is there anything else you want to talk about while we're here? Unless you're in a rush to be anywhere. No, I'm not in a rush. 
only got half a beer left, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm, um, yeah, yeah, so no, I've I'm covered right. most. If there's anything else you've got, um, I've nah, been was... going for a while now. That was all. I could, I could keep all. talking. Yeah. What's you only get up to Windermere this year? Uh, well, yeah. At the minute, I can't. If even, you can. <laughs> yeah. Well, at the minute, the closest. Well, this is uh, interesting because this will go up to in two days' time, probably before lock. You guys will be listening to this maybe as lockdown opens, if we do get to open in New South. You're allowed to travel in your LGA for outdoor recreation. So I know yep. a few boys are fishing those urban lakes in Canberra. Blaring is in my LGA, but I don't know if Warden New South Wales have actually closed their waterways because people were yep. all getting fined the other day up at Blaring um, for being there. And I don't... Yeah, I've heard they're closing our local local waterways are closed. And I think Windermere, they've closed the park, so you can't get in there. Yeah, see, Windermere is, yeah, an issue there. So I was maybe going to make it, yeah, I was going to try and sneak up to Windermere prior to this happening. Um so we'll see. I won't go if it hits October. I won't go. It'd be too late yeah. for me. Um, yeah, I don't know because this last year was a big year for me. I spent a massive amount of time on the road because we had a great window of weather. So I went to Burrendong, went to Windermere, went to Burrendong twice to map it because I had to map all these waterways. So now for me, uh, this year is to start mapping more and so it'll just send me to new new places. So we'll start to do the yep. rivers. Um most of the places I need to go are Victoria, Gippsland. There's a few, um, some bass stuff. Um, I was going to start to travel a bit more, but then rivers were going to be my next one. But rivers are going to be very hard to map for a while because it's got to be dry. can't be too muddy on the tracks. And then the river, I want it to be sort of a lowish height so you can see how the launching yep. is at all heights. So I wanted to start doing more of that. But yeah, I would have I would have liked to have snuck up to Windy. It's a bit of a... Bit of a bummer. Is this lockdown for you? Is it something because you are actually at home, right? Working. Yep. Are you? Does it give you a chance to do some stuff at home now that you never usually do because you're fishing, or is it a bummer for you because you want to get out and fish? Oh, it's probably more of a bummer. Um, I sort of yeah, I, I've, I've had plenty of time at home. Yeah. Last, last little while, I haven't done. I haven't done many big fishing trips. Um, this year, like I haven't sort of gone to Copeton or or done a week away at all. I've only done a couple, couple of sort of couple of nighters, but most of it's sort of just been morning session type stuff. Um, but yeah, it's, I just kind of just wanted to end. Like last last on Saturday, just gone. What is it today? Wednesday. So yeah, I was meant to I was meant to be at the snow right now, but we drove drove from Bathurst to Cooma. You did not got got to Cooma on Saturday, and then we got. The announcement comes through that um, regional New South Wales yeah. is coming into lockdown. So we're at the we're at the um, rhythm, getting fitted for skis. <laughs> we got the announcement come through, so we had to turn around and drive back. Really? So, that was yeah. When it comes through, Saturday at three o'clock. Yeah. So we just got to the we just got to rhythm in Cooma, where you hire like where we hire our skis. You from. are joking. From Bathurst. It. How far is the trip? Seven hours? Uh, five, five and a half. Okay. So we left at 8.30, got there, and then got back at like 9.30 at night. <laughs> oh, that's so. rough. I think a few people did that, you know, or left yeah. on Saturday morning to go somewhere. I saw a lot of stories, actually, that morning of people going fishing. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, that was a few people. That, that, uh, I know a few people were out fishing, like gone for the weekend. And then got sent home, like set up camp, then got sent home. That's crazy. Day, so. It's a pain. In but, the... Yeah, it's a pain. But 
some a lot of people are doing it a lot worse. So what do you do? Yeah. Do you reckon it'll? Uh, what do you think is going to happen this spring? She's going to hang around. You reckon we'll be in trouble this spring, fishing wise? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I reckon regional. We should be all right out here. I think Sydney's pretty cooked. Yeah. Um, like they had, well, they have six hundred and thirty-three cases. Yeah. Today, the only problem, like out here, we haven't had a case here, but Dubbo's Dubbo's going not going great at the moment, so and they're not far away, so yeah. Hopefully they can sort that out and we'll be all right. But yeah, you got to feel yeah. for for Sydney. I don't think they're going to be out of it for a while, but yeah, like I know, got heaps of weddings and fishing <laughs> trips and stuff planned. <laughs> Everything's Where just are you trips at the planned moment. for? Are they just quick yellow trips, or have you got this big kayak trip planned for bass? Uh well, we want to go up to um, up north and do Barra trip again. Barra yeah. To us, so fat chance. Um, that's the that's the big one that we wanted to go up to, but yeah, that's not looking great at the moment. We we couldn't go last year either. So, but you know, hopefully, hopefully we come out of it. But, yeah, it even just going to Windermere and stuff now, like can't <laughs> go over there. Yeah, you gotta just laugh, don't you? And just talk maybe they could fishing. use it. Maybe they could use a the season fish? off. Cause, yeah, because yeah, they got hammered last <laughs> last spring. Oh, imagine yeah. a season off. That's crazy. Yeah. What yeah. do you reckon? Do you reckon we'll be right? I think uh, I don't know. As long as these vaccines keep coming through. Yeah, yeah. It's a wild time we're living in. I'm not. I'm not really sure. Like I've been trying to get down to Eildon to get some content on Eildon because we've got a stack of followers and a stack of members from Victoria. So we went and did yep. Epilock. We mapped Epilock and Nilakudi, Waranga. Um, they're all going to go up soon. But they're just maps. They weren't real filming stuff. We caught a metery on the Goulburn. Um, that yeah, metery that Hocko caught on the Goulburn. So we did cool. a bit of fishing there. And then I really want to get some content for Eildon, but I would have already been. I would have already been to Eildon by now, but that hasn't happened. So as soon as those borders open, that's where I'll head for everyone down there. So members from Eildon get excited because hopefully I'll have some videos rolling out on that place. But um, yeah, I've got heaps of computer work to do. So I've got heaps of content to roll out for everyone. So I don't know. Yeah, it's going to be a weird spring. Just fingers crossed by, then, you know, by summer and then all of next year we're back to reasonable normal but yeah i don't know it's dragging on it yeah is. yeah well it started when we first chatted so that's 16 months yeah. ago yeah yeah anyway mate thanks host for that appreciate uh the chat hope you guys enjoyed the the listen if you have anything in particular that you'd like us to talk about next time let us know because i'll probably get you back on in 12 months again and we'll touch base and talk gibberish again for the couple of hours for everyone to listen to on a car ride somewhere there's nothing else for anyone to be doing so if you're in lockdown i'm sure you're sitting down listening so thanks again mate ah thanks for having me i look forward to jumping back on again in 12 months be good awesome appreciate it did you finish your beer you still got a little bit left i've got about one sit where so it's worked out perfect <laughs> good stuff right guys i hope you enjoyed it thanks jacko see you mate cheers And there you have it, guys. What a jam-packed episode, and I hope you enjoyed it. It has been one of our longest episodes yet, but the best thing about it is we just talked fishing for so long. There was so much to talk about, and I just love sitting down with people, learning from others, and also learning from the conversation you actually both have. Like, you'll notice through that episode that we were both sort of 
trying to debunk some theories from, you know, Jacko would share his opinion and then I would share my opinion and then we'd go, right, I will maybe this is how they behave. And that's the best thing about cod and about fishing is they're always testing us, cod specifically, because they are an incredibly unique fish that you can never, ever completely determine what they're going to do because they're so rare to come across. So it's not like a fish we can analyze um, because they're not easy to catch, we can't come to these conclusions of, yes, this is exactly why they fed because of, there's so many variables and you might only get one big cod, you know, every couple of trips. How do you, it's so hard to come to a point of, yes, this is the perfect weather, this is the perfect lure, this is the perfect, even down to the leader, like we we're talking about the leader, all those variables and that's why we love them so much. Yes, we do get a fair understanding of them when we spend a lot of time on the water chasing them, which is awesome and that's what we share with you through all of the different mediums, this podcast, the membership, everywhere. But that's why I love them and that's why I love talking to people and that, I guess because they're so tough, it gives us the opportunity to talk to so many anglers about them. So, hope you guys enjoyed that one. Just uh, remember to let us know if you enjoyed it. Make sure if you have a social media page, if you have Instagram, screenshot the app, tag us, let us know if you enjoyed it, let us know if you're listening. You can send us messages as well on people who you want me to interview or on different topics you would like me to talk about. There's so many exciting, cool things we can share through all the platforms that we create. And remember guys, if you really want to learn more, if you want to upskill what you're doing, if you want to become a better angler and you want to join the best freshwater community there is, make sure you check out the SF membership. Jump on their website, socialfishing.com.au. You can learn more there. The membership is growing and growing and I am loving it. We produce so many videos every single week. Now, I know you guys can jump on YouTube and you get stacks of videos on YouTube. We don't share as many on our YouTube channel most of them all go up inside the membership platform. So we are creating videos every single week. Not only do you get that, you get access to the SF maps, which are growing. The next map coming out is a section of the Murray River that we mapped. And eventually, we will have the entire Murray River. So every reserve on the Murray River, every access point showing you if you can launch a boat, if you can camp, uh, if what the, what the bank fishing is like with photos, videos, We've got that for Blaring, we've got that for Eildon, we've got that for a stack of different lakes. We just visited Copeton, it will be the next one coming up in the next couple of months once I load it onto the website. It's continually growing and the community inside the membership is incredible and it is growing as well. And I love interacting with people and helping people catch more fish. If you guys have a question, if you want help on the water with a style of fishing, you can just message me and I'm, I am there to help as well as all the other contributors. We just got a new, a couple of new contributors on. Uh, we have a new report writer for Lake Hume. So if you fish Lake Hume and you want to learn more about how to catch the redfin, the golden perch, the trout in Lake Hume, we now have an expert who has fished that place his whole life and he's going to be sharing information through reports, through articles, through content and you can also message him directly. If there was a need to help you guys. If, if there is an, a better way, I couldn't think of a better way to meet the needs of all the messages that I receive through social media and that is why the social fishing membership is here. That's why I created it. It's just there to help you guys catch fish. Obviously, we can't create such a big community all for free and that's why it's behind that membership platform but obviously, uh, we set it at a price that is extremely reasonable for anyone to jump on. It's only $16.95 a month. Pretty cheap for the content that you guys get and we're there to help. So, make sure you guys check that out at socialfishing.com.au. If you have any more questions, make sure you let me know. Don't forget to leave a rating and a review on the podcast app you're listening to this on. 
I love your feedback. Even if you don't enjoy it, let us know because then we can tweak things and create it to make it better. And once again, I apologize for the massive gap in episodes uh, coming out over the last few months, but we're back now. We did one two weeks ago. This is another one and we have another one coming up in two more weeks. And a little hint for who is coming, we have Josh Reed on for the next episode. Josh Reed is a super keen angler down on the border region, lives in that border region, Albury-Wodonga, fishes the Murray, uh, places like that, and it's going to be a cracker episode. Josh Reed is up in the next podcast. That's just a little bit of a insight into what is coming up. Righto, guys, get out there. Um, well, get out there if you can. I know we're stuck in COVID, so it's a bit of a bummer. But uh, if you're stuck in COVID, this is the perfect timing for obviously listening to podcasts and content and learning and watching. So absorb as much as you can and get ready for the spring ahead when we are allowed to get out there and fish. If you're in Victoria, you're obviously allowed at the minute. So make the most of it while you can. Righto, guys, I'll be talking to you in the next episode. My name is Reese Creed and you've been listening to The Social Fishing Podcast.